1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in
2: theater That's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols Which will be used by this theater We present the following guide for parents and young people X,
1: no one under 17 admitted
2: well, let's not move past this. You mean this whole time you could have been checking every week instead of making us hear that?
3: <laughs> what the fuck? Your audio is so good. I can hear your
2: chair creaking. Oh, damn it. Now it's too good. <laughs> oh, that's fine. No, I can't. I, I fucking love a good chair creak.
3: <sighs> fidget. Such a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Really is. It
4: sounds dirty, but it's not. It can be.
3: So how was everybody's Christmas? Um shit besides, besides Noah's. We know Noah's was terrible. How was yours, Doug? Uh not great.
2: <laughs> Nothing compared to what Noah's been through. Ah. Uh,
3: zeros across the
4: board. I mean, uh, I guess I should say Christmas Day itself was mostly alright. Yeah i had to anna
2: Christmas Eve.
4: anna's been having some behavior issues and stuff due to all the uh the bullshit that she's going through mm-hmm. and she decided to dump a carton of melted ice cream into her grandma's ice machine in the freezer
3: oh so See, i got I so i got to just, take that apart and she's just it. a low-key genius she's like ice cream ice for everybody <laughs> right like, right that's that's amazing See, maybe she thought she put that in there; it would just produce more ice cream. Well, I think so. I don't. I don't. I, well,
4: I'm have to say I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if she did it to be malicious. Generally, she doesn't do that, but she does do weird, passive aggressive stuff every once in a while.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't want a big old thing of ice cream. Me too. Uh, well, about the week before Christmas week and a half before christmas day i don't know sometime the week before i would have been making plans of what we're doing christmas uh my mom tells me hey guess what your nephew has covid so that pretty much just ruined every plan we had which was just to go out to my mom's house to celebrate with the nieces and nephews so we were like well i guess we're doing nothing on christmas day that sounds sucks that sounds delightful Yeah, but we didn't get to go to Christmas last year because, you know, uh, I was like, COVID is going on too much. So let's not. So this is two Christmases in a row. We haven't been able to do anything with the nieces and nephews, which is really the only reason I still talk to my family. So. Hey, hey, I'm in COVID round two. (laughs) All right. Well,
4: I mean, I mean, fuck me. I get COVID once. And then I have to get the shot twice, which both the shots made me sick. And now I got it again.
3: Might as well just not get the shots at all, according to some people.
4: Well, no, according no, according no. to the science, if you get it twice and you didn't have the vaccines, there's it's something like it doubles your chance of hospitalization. And this time, it's nowhere near as bad as I was that first
3: time. That first time, I thought I was going to die. This time, I'm just like, man, I'm sick. That's all just a hoax, no. Show me true. show me the pictures in the video where all these beds are taken up in the hospital. Yeah, but, is, but there there are pictures of that. No, no. Those are all <laughs> photoshopped and doctored. Oh yeah. CNN would like it's like to believe.
4: it's like the fucking flat earth people. Show me a picture of the earth. Hey, here's a, here's a picture of the earth. Yeah, but that was doctored by NASA. <laughs> uh,
2: it's ridiculous. I miss flat earthers, man. I mean, they're stupid, but they're relatively harmless, so
4: <laughs> they're still around.
3: You yeah,
2: know, but, they
3: used but, but, we, like but we used to look at them theory for a while. Yeah, we used to look at them and be like, "Well, human human thought will never fall below this benchmark of stupidity." And whoa, were we pretty much wrong about all of that? Yeah. Uh, Christmas, oh, Christmas uh, tree. Oh, Christmas tree.
2: Lando Fuck getting... you and your branches. Did Lando get anything good this year, Doug? He got a, um, a cool little, like, it's like a kind of a transformer, but it's also a remote control car. Mm-hmm. So you can just push a button and it converts into a robot. Mm. So I like it when he goes to bed and I get to play with that. Because it can still drive around when it's for a robot form. So that's pretty good. Sick.
3: But is this just like you push the button and it, like, unfolds? Like it was just folded in half? that's so kind of a lame it, it, yeah it's not as those are like the Happy Meal Transformers from back in the day
4: <laughs> does it does it make kind the of the, yeah. choo, 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 sound
3: <laughs>
4: no it's not an it's official transformer that's really all oh. that matters I need it to make the sound they
3: made them they made the sound in the movies, so those are still bad that's true I rescind my statement <laughs>
4: <laughs> you've refuted me you've refuted me thoroughly with <laughs> fucking Michael Bay
3: uh. Won't be the first time Noah's wrong this episode. Or
2: shit. No, it will be the first time. It won't be the last time. Oh,
3: you're right. Whatever. My brain's tired.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> you guys want to hear the one cool thing that I got for Christmas? Sure. It was so.
3: Was it COVID? You guys was have heard it because Noah about... I got
2: that? No. <laughs> no, I didn't get that. Oh. It's the gift. We, that did, keeps we on were it. in. We were in self-isolation until midnight on the 23rd, though, if that helps. <laughs> and we had to drive, like, do, a, like, an hour-long round trip to get my kid a test in order to make sure we got the results back in time for Christmas. Oh, um Or, sorry, hour each-way trip drive, because right. it was the closest testing center where we could get an appointment and actually get the results back in time. But uh, anyways, you guys have heard me babble about the Tragically Hit before, right? Band, I used to go see a lot, like saw them, like, perform live, like, 30 times. And then a bunch of years ago, lead singer got, like, brain cancer and died. You guys remember me telling you that fun story?
3: Uh, sounds familiar, but, I mean, this is a great Christmas story.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it, though? It, this is where it starts to get good, though, is that, so, like, somebody I know, my ex-father-in-law, actually, ends up getting hired to fix one of the guys' hot tub, which is a weird thing, because I didn't know he fixed hot tubs. Mm-hmm. But he gets there mentions that i'm this big fan that christmas is coming up and that i've had a bit of a rough year with the fire and stuff so christmas morning i get this giant box of shit delivered to my door with like i don't know like a signed poster and a bunch of like t-shirts and covid masks and i don't know everything like everything coffee cups all with all the band logo on it shit so i thought was pretty cool considering I had no idea it was coming and you don't usually get gifts from your favorite rock bands at Christmas. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And since the guy gave it to my ex father-in-law to send to me, my very confused ex had to bring it to me (laughs) she's like dropping the kid off and she's like i have a whole bunch of presents that are apparently from your favorite band you're gonna have to text my dad and find out why you're getting this stuff (laughs) all right that's like two gifts in one that was pretty fun just because she's walking in the door carrying all these boxes and i'm like we don't what is going on why do you have Boxes of gifts for me, and she's like, Oh, it's not for me. (laughs) (laughs) So
3: she's like, like, I fucking hate you. I didn't buy you shit.
4: She's like, Apparently, my father still likes you more than me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's what you should tell her next time you see her. Oh, really? Did your dad get you your favorite band's autograph and stuff?
2: I didn't think so. Probably not. So Now, I just, you might have not have the good common sense to have a favorite band that happens to be local, and
3: you know, yeah, yeah it's usually better if you uh, if you uh, think local. Yeah.
2: Anyways, that's my one like cool Christmas gift that I got.
3: Man, that's it's really nice. cool. I didn't get a single thing for Christmas. Not
2: one present. You and your wife don't do presents.
3: Uh, we, we usually do this year has fucking sucked so bad over a bunch of stuff and yeah. either, neither one of us were really in the mood and plus I just dropped like $1,500 on new furniture that on in July and didn't get it till November so we're just like eh I don't feel like doing anything and I was like sweet me neither so
2: don't need to buy nothing No. Well, the new furniture is your gifts to each other
3: that's what I and kind of say. It's nice
2: because you get to sit on the couch together. That's what I said, but she's like,
3: "But we bought that back in July." And I'm like, "But we didn't get it till November, so it doesn't count."
4: <laughs> I just got my wife a few little things and then a pair of the uh, the Galaxy AirBuds or whatever they're called. Mm, nice. I, ironically, so this is the weird thing. So my parents. <laughs> I'm to, tired
3: of your true crime shit. Here's some headphones. No, no, this
4: is this is kind of just a weird coincidence. So my my parents tend to overdo christmas it's got it's got to do with the fact that my dad had a really bad childhood so he like goes apeshit every christmas oh sounds
3: terrible Noah.
4: no no it's great they're wonderful people and i love them i wish they I, i really honestly wish they wouldn't spend so much money but but uh because they're living in florida now everything's coming through amazon and I'm on my dad's Amazon Prime account, so I know everything that's coming, and I can track the packages and stuff so that they don't get stolen.
3: You've set up separate profiles.
4: Yeah. But so the day I bought those Galaxy AirBuds, I go home, and I get a notification that something had shipped, and I pulled it up, and it was shipping to me, and it was Galaxy AirBuds, And I was like, wait, what? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> This can't be right. <laughs> I bought mine at Best Buy. This can't this can't be right.
3: Oh, you just had that split second, like,
1: wait.
4: Yeah, I was, so, I was oh, I was so fucking confused for about five fucking minutes. I was like, I no, that's not what happened. I thought maybe like the the woman in one of these two movies was going insane. Like <laughs> I was like, No, I went to Galaxy and I bought the purple ones. I didn't order the black ones off Amazon. This can't be right
3: doesn't matter uh amazon heard you through your phone and just ordered them for you anyway i actually thought about that for a second
1: (laughs) you're like
4: (laughs) pesos yeah that that, somehow i was i was in best buy in that section pricing them out and somehow my phone was like air buds you say and like put them on some kind of a wish list and my dad saw it
2: I can see that coming. Did I tell you guys my Amazon story last week or no? Mm,
3: Since I didn't talk to you last week, I'm going to say no.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. No, like I got the wrong package delivered to my house and it confused the fuck out of me. No. Because I wasn't wasn't paying attention, right? And it's Christmas, so Amazon stuff's coming like every day. So I get a package and I'm like the guys (laughs) at the door and I just wave. I wave politely and I walk into my kitchen and I open it up and I... Like, it's not anything I would have ever ordered. It's, like, included, like, a case for a tablet, but not a tablet that I own. So I'm, like, very (laughs) confused for a minute. Then I realized I just had, like, somebody else's uh, package. And Mm. luckily, since it's Christmas, everybody was getting packages delivered that day. So I look outside. He's just stopped, like, a few houses up. (laughs) So I go walking over to him with this, like, open package. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. And he's like, "Oh, well, which house is yours?" And I'm like, "That one over there." And he's like, "I probably have a box for you too." Then <laughs> he goes back in his truck, gets me out my box. looks I look at it this time and make sure it's for me. And I'm like, "I don't know what you're going to tell these people." Like, I opened this. I didn't wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and he's like, "Ah, yeah." I'm like, "That's not really my issue." And it's cold. I'm going to take my stuff and go back in my house. Fuck <laughs> your day.
4: I really thought for <laughs> a second you were going to be like, "I cracked it open. It was just chock full of dildos." no (laughs) that'd be a better story be even on an awkwarder situation for that fucking amazon guy uh this isn't mine i swear uh i didn't open your dildo sir
2: (laughs) a random stranger down your
4: street did
2: yeah so then like every time i'm walking down the street i'm gonna pass that house and know that they ordered a shit ton of dildos (laughs) (laughs) and They're going to know that somebody walking by knows about their dildos, but they're not going to know who it
1: is.
2: (laughs) At one point, I'd get so frustrated with that situation. I'd probably just have to stop in and be like, look, I'm the one that knows about your dildos. Let's all move past this.
4: I can't take I can't take this tension between me and not so much you because you don't know who
3: I am. (laughs) Speaking of weird sexual things. We should probably talk about our movies for tonight.
4: (laughs) A little Fulci and his toxic view of women's sexuality.
2: (laughs) I don't know if I'd say that.
4: I think he would say that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which one do we want to do first? Mm -hmm. Um, since, Since Noah responded first, Noah, why don't you tell us about... Lizard and a woman's skin.
4: All right. So we've got a a woman who's having uh, crazy, uh, hot, weird Italian sex dreams Mm -hmm. about hallways Mm -hmm. filled with dicks and titties. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is, you know what? It's a pretty cool dream. I wish I had a dream about it. Just uh, just, just squeezing through a hallway full of naked people. Because I'd be like, this is so fucking awkward. This isn't even sexy. I'm just rubbing against everybody's bits. <laughs>
3: excuse me. Excuse Literally, me. It's the opening scene of the movie. Yeah. Could you, uh, could you pull your boner up just so that I could get by, please?
1: <laughs> your boner, I don't your
4: boner you. is really
3: blocking my path here. <laughs>
4: I'm wearing corduroys. (laughs) That can't feel good. Uh, Yeah. And so she's having dreams and especially involving this one hot blonde lady who is apparently the adult actress who lives in the apartment below hers, I think, is the way it was explained. Or she's she's Mm. she's some kind of a sex worker.
3: Don't know. You learned more about her occupation than I did. Yeah. Uh, I figured, it, figured her her life was just, yeah, I'm going to throw an orgy at my house. And that's pretty much all she ever did. Yeah. F- following mm-hmm.
4: that, she has another crazy hallway sex dream. Uh, only this one ends with her stabbing blonde lady to death. Uh, she goes and tells her psychiatrist about it. And then lo and behold, the next day we find out the woman was murdered in the exact same way as her dream. Bum, bum, bum. What? What? And then in typical Giallo fashion, there are a thousand side characters and subplots and fucking her husband's fucking some other lady and her husband has a daughter. Or is that a different person? It's either a different person or the same person. (laughs) (laughs) It's his daughter. Uh, And there's an Irish dude and a Fucking weird hippie chick who are constantly doing drugs and getting involved in weird ways and uh, twists and turns, and then of course we have like a quadruple reveal at the end because we have to establish there's so life. many yeah, because there's there's several murders that occur throughout the the movie, and it turns out that not all the murders were committed by the the people, and in the end, the big reveal is that. Uh yeah, she in fact did just murder this woman and tried to use oh I had a dream to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which seems like so weird. which seems like a really dumb
2: plan. Right? Very <laughs> very convoluted. Well, like I think her whole plan was write it down in the book and then try to like frame it was she was trying to say that somebody else read her book and then framed her. Is that the idea? Or was her idea that she would just get off on the insanity thing?
4: I, I think it was a combination of all the things. I think she's just supposed to be because both like both mastermind. of those were plot
2: lines. Yeah, yeah, because both of those things happened in this movie. There was a point where they thought this. I think it was the husband that was at this point was the primary suspect, and they thought he read it in her book and then committed the murder to match the book. And then another time they thought that just she did it, but she was insane. And then there was the Irish guy that confessed to it, but he didn't really do it. He just did way too many drugs.
3: And then murdered some other. Yeah, and tried to murder the main character. Yeah, I got so confused I couldn't keep track of who was doing what.
4: This is is sloppy as fuck.
2: The funny thing is the way the narrative ends (laughs) up playing out is like they set up all of these like air quotes like red herrings. But they set them up, knock them down, set up the next one, knock it down. So if you're following really closely, and it is it is hard, like, because it is also that shitty, like, Italian dubbed to English filmmaking where it's, like, it's hard to sometimes understand exactly who everybody is and what they're saying, and it's the 70s, so they all look all fucking weird. Um, you lose track of who's who, right? Because they all have the weird 70s hair and mustaches and shit. Um, when you actually sit down and, like, go through the plot it is like okay so they think she did it while she was in her dream state but then they realize that really can't be true and then they go on to like that irish guy and then they prove that he didn't do it then they think it's the husband who did it and then they prove that he didn't do it (laughs) and then we get to the end where they go back to she did it and tried to cover it up using this this dream book and all that shit but at no point in time is there, like, two people who we think may have done it <laughs> in the whole plot of the movie. So it shouldn't be very confusing. Well, and there's this whole
4: – the the police detective who's investigating everything has this weird whistling tick that he does all the time. Mm-hmm. And you keep waiting for that to become relevant eventually at some point in the movie, and it never fucking does. It's just a weird thing they threw in the movie that – in the middle of a sentence, he'll just go. Oh
2: yeah. It's so fucking weird. There's there's also a scene in this movie where the woman runs into a lab and there's a bunch of dogs strung up that have all been like semi-autopsied, even though they're still alive. And they're all just sitting there and you can see all their insides and their blood and their guts. So that's way less relevant to the plot than that guy's whistle. That's also (laughs) also true. Also fucking true.
4: And I think, once again, that that was supposed to be furthering the idea that she's insane. Yeah. But I think the way the doctor talks, it sounds an awful lot like he's just like, yeah, that's our fucking weird coyote torture
2: room. Yeah, no, I think that (laughs) the impression I got in the movie is that that room exists and that they're doing some experiment in that room. In the same hospital where they put mental patients who are accused of crimes. Because <laughs> you wouldn't divide up those two sets of experiments on the mental patients and the dogs that you're keeping alive for torture purposes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that room was there. I think she saw that room. I don't blame her for freaking out when she saw it. I think most people would.
3: <laughs> yeah, apparently the uh, Italian government thought that that looked so real that they had sued Lucio Fulci. And he had to have his special effects guy come in and testify that they were fake dogs. He brought in the props and then other crew and cast members had to come in and testify as well that they were did not use real dogs. And then when it popped up, I'm like,
2: that doesn't look real at all. No, I mean, it, it looks pretty good by 70s, you know, Italian budget standards. I like the way it looks. I think it was really fucked up looking. But,
3: Maybe they just uh, saw it, and since you know it was the seventies, you couldn't just rewind it on VHS.
2: <laughs> just pause. The it. prosecutors just saw it in theaters once, and based their whole thing nope. on that. He <laughs> was like, nope. copy of the tape." Nope, we got to figure this out. It's funny, because full We'll we'll talk about it, but he gets sued for the next movie as well.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he got sued for every fucking movie he ever made. Mm. Fucking Italian
2: government did not understand that films were fake by at this point in time. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, and Fulci so he's kind of known for a few different things and this this movie to me doesn't feel super fulci-e if that makes sense like all the sex yes like the the fact that there's just tits everywhere and and mm-hmm. all and and tits in direct relation to like a woman getting stabbed to death is is pretty mm-hmm. fulci too. Yeah. But the way the plot rolls out and stuff, I don't, I don't know. It just didn't, he's usually not this, I don't know. I don't know what the, what, what word I'm trying to go for.
2: Well, considering this movie is two years after the next movie that we're going to talk about and considering how similar the plots play out, I think it, it's obviously his style at the time. This, this idea of a murder mystery where you A, you have these weird, (laughs) twisted, gruesome effects designed to completely fuck up your audience. And these scenes that aren't necessarily needed, but they're just there to fuck with people's heads. And then you also do that, like, the next movie does that same thing, where it's like, set up a red herring, knock it down, set it up, knock it down, rather than keeping them around at the end of the movie and keeping the suspense of who did it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously what he was doing at the time. It's the stage of his filmmaking. What I
3: read the next movie we're going to talk about, uh, Don't Torture a Duckling, was the first time he started using like really graphic special effects. So this is like him sort of trying out this sort of stuff that would become a little bit more of his signature in later movies.
2: I suppose. Yeah, I think he's still just finding himself as a filmmaker at this point. I don't know how deep in his career he was, but
4: maybe, maybe the thing that's fucking me up is like the the kind of surrealist dream sequences with the bright colors and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not that to me. That doesn't scream Fulci. That's that's an Argento. So that's more
2: Argento. Yeah, I agree with you, but I think in this particular case. It's actually good filmmaking because we're, the big reveal we're going to get at the end, one of the many big reveals we're going to get, is that there were two witnesses to this murder. And that's these characters that appear in the dreams and then she sees them in real life. Yeah, they were fully there. They watched the murder happen. They were so high on LSD, they didn't fucking understand what they were watching. <laughs> so they've, they, they, were, they were completely unable to report her to the police because they were just so fucking high. Which is a little bit funny, but also it helps go back and explain the nature of some of the visuals that they were using in these various dream sequences to imply that, you know, obviously what we're seeing isn't meant to be real world. It's meant to be some fucked up version of reality, which obviously is LSD induced. And that explains a giant flying duck or whatever the hell that was. Swan. Swan. (laughs) Swan, Swan spaceship death craft. I don't know.
3: Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you paid attention, the swan is from the painting that's in her house at the beginning of the movie.
2: Okay, I didn't pick up on
3: that. That yeah, makes there's, sense. A, there's there's a painting and it has this. It's a weird ass painting, which also fits into the rest of the movie. But just like in the painting, this or in the shadow, or the swan has its stomach like cut open. It's just like a weird cavity. So yeah, whatever that was, she's taking it from images from her decorations at home. Okay.
4: See, that almost seems too clever for Fulci. He's yeah. he's usually uh uh every problem's a nail and I got a hammer director.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think though, like like I say, we're if in seventy-two he has his first ever try at just like, look, here's some gory effects. Let's see how audiences react to that. <laughs> um by 74, he's now just, he's gone as far as, oh, we're just going to have this scene with these dogs cut open because I want to put that in my movie and it doesn't necessarily matter plot wise or make anything that really, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't matter that it, whether it makes sense or not. And then, you know, later on, we're going to get to his more well-known style of just here's some tits, here's some blood, feed that guy to a zombie and we're done. Yeah. Although his his usual themes of uh,
4: weaponized sexuality are, are still present <laughs> this early in his filmmaking career. So yeah. it's obviously not something he developed. I'm assuming it's some kind of trauma from whenever he was a child. He must have gotten <laughs> fucked by a weird babysitter or something. <laughs> well,
3: well, we're uh, going to tackle that in the next movie.
4: <laughs> well, because that, especially, it's it's more pronounced in the next movie, but that, the whole, there is like a through line through
3: all of his stuff of, uh, fuck was that?
4: Did you guys just hear a tapping sound?
3: No, my, uh. Skype just bombed because I was sending you guys a picture of this swan. Sorry. Sorry, I just
4: I heard a weird noise and I'm wearing my headphones. I was freaked out that somebody was like tapping on my window or something.
3: Oh, no, going to get stabbed live on the air.
4: Oh, yeah, it's going to happen.
3: Oh, uh, if you're going
2: to get stabbed, do it live on air.
4: No. Yeah, but, the
3: but there's this this whole
4: thing of uh, women using their sexuality to damage typically men and in, in this one obviously uh, all the sexuality is kind of a lesbian thing which is different i mean it's different than it's normal stuff but yeah yeah it's always there this all all women are uh, seductive witches bent on destroying men and all men are savage animals bent on uh raping and destroying women
2: yeah but, like, I don't even know if those are themes as much as just a very simplified method of filmmaking. And we're just going to use these archetypes of, you know, if everybody's bad, here's the really easy stereotypes of how these particular groups are bad. So now they can just start stabbing each other.
4: Yeah, I suppose. I suppose you could just call it his shorthand. But even then, his, his shorthand is uh, gross. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it.
2: No, it is yes, and it's but it's all. It's also the '70s, and it's like, well, what's a good excuse to have two naked women on screen at the same time? We'll make them into lesbians. Let's do that. That's just easier than having to come up with two reasons for women to take their clothes off. We like could have lesbians in this film. No, it's okay. It's a, it's a dream. Yeah, one of them stabs the other. It's all good. I, I mean, they
4: also have a a scene where the the blonde one is blackmailing her, which is the big reveal at the end. But she calls her dad to blackmail her dad over it while she's still sitting in the room. (laughs) She's not a very good blackmailer.
3: Well, you know. (coughs) I think she was doing it. It She she just wanted her to to leave her husband and go with her?
2: Maybe. I don't know. Hidden motivations? I don't know how these 70s Italians work. What about that scene where um, the girl just gets chased by bats for 10 minutes for reasons that don't matter? So I was watching this
3: and uh, Amanda was texting me. She apparently got a really bad migraine at work and she was, she took uh, medicine for it, but she was waiting for it to kick in. And then she found out that somebody from work uh, was just going to give her a ride home. So I'd have to take her into work tomorrow, which is fine. And so she came home. She's like, Hey, uh, I'm going to go lay down. And I was like, cool. She goes and lays down, and then the scene starts. Then I get a text message from the other side of the house. What the fuck are you watching? That sound is absolutely fucking horrible. And I was like, oh, it's just bats attacking somebody. It's all right. So
2: I had to just turn it down. Just bats attacking somebody? And In this house, that's considered a normal background noise. Just fun. <laughs> that's funny. That, that bat attack scene goes on for a long time, and I feel like it's that – it's that 70s filmmaking style like uh texas chainsaw massacre is probably the best known example of just like let's just throw some fucked up shit on the screen mess with the audience's head see how they handle it and then that way when we just when we're telling our story in the background maybe they'll be more i don't know off-put they'll be off kilter they won't know what the hell to think and it'll help it make it easier for us to have our drama and shit
4: Was was there also a tradition in italian filmmaking in any film where there's a whodunit style situation that the movie goes on just
2: way too fucking long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's seventies oh. filmmaking in Italian. Like the whole, in this movie, the whole part with the, uh, the husband being accused of the crime completely okay. unnecessary. It's 10 minutes of plot time. That just doesn't matter at all. Mm. And it wasn't poorly done or anything. And the idea of him doing it is interesting. But it's, again, it's just we we introduce this idea that maybe he did it. And we spend 10 minutes of the movie on that. And then we go, nah, he didn't do it. And we just move on. (laughs) It's like, okay, well. uh, You know, I guess the average runtime for a film at this was expected to be 145. And we need to get it up there. Yeah. I like that. uh, That's all 70s filmmaking globally. I like that
3: her dad is the one who catches him by apparently hiding in the bushes and taking pictures of him cheating on her. Yeah. Or at least hiring somebody to do that. And they have a talk about it, but I don't remember
2: them ever telling like his daughter at all. Did I miss that? No, I think because we get the scene where he confronts the son. And he says, Are you cheating on my daughter? And the son, instead of saying no, says that's a ridiculous question. <laughs> and they bring that but they bring that back up later, like, you never even denied it. He's like, Right. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to deny it. I did not want to be dishonest about it if we're being frank. It's <laughs> um,
3: I didn't want to lie.
2: Yeah. But yeah, that is a whole that is a whole thing where um and I, I, I kinda get that, like, because – it's like the father is like a lawyer. He's not like some moron. So if he's curious about this, his instinct is to prove it before he does anything about it.
3: Yeah. But then I'm just wondering, like we never, I don't remember there ever being like, well, sorry, darling, your husband's been cheating on you. And no, maybe that's by this what caused this whole problem. Yeah.
2: You know, does he tell the cops that that might be who he tells? I'm not sure. I don't even remember. Because at that point, everyone thinks the daughter's insane, too, right? So, yeah, because she gets put in, like, a
3: mental hospital for a little while.
2: Yeah, it's like, I think it's, like, like a hospital for the criminally insane is the idea. Because mm-hmm. it's then later said, like, when it starts to come out that somebody else might have done it, she's released on, like, bail is the, one of the words they used, I think. And, mm it's a bit confusing and part of that is like us not understanding the Italian legal system from the 70s which I yeah. think is you no know, it's a little bit beyond us too We're not expected to know those things but for, for movie purposes they put her in this place because they think she killed somebody and they think she's nuts and they want her to see the dogs being experimented on <laughs> so
4: weird. I would really like to know what they learned from the dog experiment. It's like a human centipede but with dog veins
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah I I don't know what to tell you (laughs) there was a bunch of like Russian experiments back in I don't know when they happened but they uh (laughs) they were basically like they'd take the head off a dog and keep it alive for a while Mm. there's all this weird like there's actually like footage I think you can see of like the dog head tries to eat something and it doesn't have like an esophagus or anything um That's, that's absolutely dreadful yeah, it's horrible. But I'm wondering if it's possible that that was in the news when this was being made. Maybe that, Maybe it's like almost a reference to that. Because I know it was a long time ago. Shit like that happened. It Just what a crazy thing. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, man.
4: It will teach us valuable lessons in dog head keeping alive.
2: Why are you doing a German accent?
4: Because <laughs> they are usually the ones doing severe experiments.
3: well that's horrible let's not talk about animals dying let's go back to talking about people dying you know something we don't really care about
2: that's a i don't know it's just like if we talk about the effects in the movie though moving away from the dogs like when that girl gets slashed by the crazy lsd hippie and he's chasing her around that's right before the bats go together that's a pretty brutal cut on the arm there that they, they do a really good job of it
4: it's it's so meaty, but but it's meaty in the wrong way, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, in a modern movie, if you do a gross effect like that, it's like a steak getting cut that's just real bloody. And in this, it's more like, I don't know, you have organ meat in your arm for some unknown reason that, like,
2: puffs out as you get slashed. I don't know. Looked pretty cool, though. Oh no, it's great. <laughs> I'm not saying it's, like, medically correct. I'm just saying it looked great.
3: So, lots of nudity in this movie. <laughs> That's something you look for <laughs> in your a, movies. There is an uncountable amount of tits in this movie. It's
2: Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, the opening scene is the naked hallway, so... Yeah. There's just, there's just a lot of nudity. I mean, I guess Italy, the 70s, you start adding it all up. It's what you expect, right? Yeah. But it's, it's uncanny how much nudity they fit into this movie.
4: <laughs> I'd really love... Nothing more than to hear Joe Bob's uh, scorecard for this movie.
3: Um, the last couple I've watched, he doesn't count breasts anymore. And I'm wondering if he retired that Uh-oh. notion. Joe Bob got see, me see,
4: see, I thought this one would be funny because he'd be like 23 to 47 breasts. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, anything else before we move on to the next is equally incoherent movie?
4: Uh yeah, I so incoherent, but if you like 70s uh funky murdery movies, I'd watch it. Like it was a good time. I I like Fulci stuff, so mm. feels it fills in another gap in my my Fulci filmography that I have to see everything.
2: Yeah. I like this one better than the you, next movie. I agree with that. Um, but we'll get to the next movie in a minute. Okay. Um, I, I think uh, this one was actually, a, it's a well-made movie. I think the style of filmmaking is not going to be for everybody. Um, and some of the random shit that happens, like the dogs, is going to feel really random if you try to watch this movie. But overall, I think the story is Okay um i think they you know they stretch it out a bit by adding in some of the red herrings but i liked the parts i liked everything with the hippies and the chick and like what is she insane or isn't she kind of thing um it does that sort of typical cheat ending where they're just like here's all the reveals at the end and it's like you couldn't have guessed this if your life depended on it yeah you
4: know, i would to i would argue the
2: next brains. film is worse than that well they're they're both it's 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 all it's really all giallo films when you think about it it's, it was part of the yeah. the formula
4: yeah there's a um, there's a reason why mysteries are called mysteries and giallos are called giallos
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you're not really supposed to be able to figure out the mystery you're supposed to just go along for the story um but i, I think this one worked as as a story i think this, the effects are good i think the Again, the acting you can't really comment on because it's the shitty dubbing that causes all the trouble and that's just, again, part of the experience of watching GLO films.
3: Uh, All right. Well,
2: Doug, do you want to tell us about Don't Torture a Duckling? Oh, shit.
3: Um,
2: (laughs) So the simplified plot version that I can actually give you that I know is correct without accidentally making a lot of mistakes is that... There's this small town in southern Italy that is very uh, superstitious. And there are people down there who are supposedly practicing black magic and things like that. And when little boys start to be killed off, we start uh, investigating, trying to find out who it is. There's a reporter. um, And he meets up with a local whore. I don't know who she is. Um, It's implied that she's like some kind of a model or something but she is, got stuck there because she had drug issues, so her rich dad just built her house to live in in this small town and make her go over there so she'd be out of the way. And so there's more murders going on. At one point, they accuse this witch of doing it, and it's similar to, to the other movie where she fully admits to doing it, and then they realize, no, she didn't. <laughs>
4: Well uh, the movie the movie fully, fully leads you to believe she's doing it. And then she admits yes. to doing it. And then somehow they still manage to reveal she didn't
1: do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So well yeah, okay, so to expand on my plot description for this element of the film, we see her like using voodoo dolls on these kids, and then we see the kids dead, and then she admits to doing it, and then everything she's admitting to is not what actually killed the kids. <laughs> so that the cops realize oh she's just she's crazy enough to think her voodoo dolls work but that's not yes she was trying to kill these kids using voodoo dolls but that's not how they died they were murdered by some dude like strangling them and drowning them and shit so obviously she didn't do it then we get a very very fun scene um, where the townsfolk are like fuck maybe she did do it we better beat her to death with chains (laughs) um so that that takes about 10 minutes of film time right there to watch this witch get beaten to death and eventually it's revealed that the local priest is the one who's actually killing the kids because he doesn't want them to grow up and become sinners so he feels that if he can kill them now they'll go to heaven because they still have pure souls which is pretty fucked um and his own little sister who is I don't want to use the words they use in this movie to describe her, because <laughs> um, it's mean to call handicapped children subnormal. That's just a horrible thing to say about them. Um dis- disabled. But, yeah, that'd be the word to use. Disabled. Um, anyways, they—he's going to kill her, and, uh, ostensibly to protect her, but also possibly because she witnessed some of the murders, and he's worried that she'll tell him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. As he's about to throw her off a cliff, we get uh, the best or worst fight scene you've ever seen in your life, depending on how you view films. Followed by the priest falling to the death off the cliff. And because it's the 70s, that's it. Movie over. He's Bad guy's dead now, so we just stop the movie. I also need to
4: point out, priest going down the cliff and uh, falling headfirst, occasionally bumping a rock causing sparks and another yep. chunk of his face to come off Correct. Uh, may may rival best endings with the, the chick hitting all the beams in nightmare city. As it's pretty, it's was, pretty close
2: <laughs> as I was watching this movie this, this afternoon, I legitimately was like, remember to ask Noah whether the, how this compares <laughs> <laughs> because, because as far as dummies falling to their death to end a movie, Ooh, this was a good one. This, this was is a good a
4: one. I, th- I think nightmare city still wins
2: because you're just you're so unprepared for that thing to hit all those bars that's true but this one goes on for about four minutes longer than the other one this yeah, one's a nice that cliff nice slow mo as <laughs> his face not a,
3: not it doesn't necessarily hit the cliffs as it does scrape along the face of the cliff thus tearing off more flesh as it goes
2: I don't know why there's sparks. That makes no sense because there's nothing supernatural about this bad guy. We should point out, like, for anyone who hasn't watched the movie, it's not like it looks good. We're not arguing that, right? it's, (laughs) It's a shitty Italian movie dummy that's flying down this cliff, but it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, And it it's, just keeps going on and you're just like, hey, it's he's got to be at the bottom of the cliff by now. And then they cut away to a long shot and then they cut back up close and he's still falling. <laughs> yeah, good. Good is not the word to describe it. Majestic, maybe. <laughs> Majestic, that works. And the whole thing is like, so first of all, the other guy is like half off the cliff, right? It's a typical fight on the top of a cliff. The other guy's half off the cliff. He's stomping at him. The other guy reaches up and grabs his foot. And somehow pulls him over the (laughs) cliff that way. (laughs) Makes no sense whatsoever. Sometimes pulls him over head first. Yeah. Well, no, he does not. He falls head first, but he's pulled over feet first. It makes no sense at all (laughs) because (laughs) he's coming off feet first, cut to the long shot where he's coming off head first and falling, I'd say, eight feet away from the cliff. And then back to the close-up where now he's right up tight against the cliff, still falling at first.
4: (laughs) Uh, We also need to bring up the fact that there is a running thing in this movie with the uh, sexy redhead model rich lady who apparently is super, super into exposing and or making sexual advances at very small boys. Yeah. Lord.
3: This is like one of the first scenes of the movie and i'm just like what the fuck is going on yeah very very small boys yeah these kids are wow
2: 10 11 yeah pre preteen. pre-teen yeah. yeah and she like the scene brian's referring to is the one that got them hauled into court where they had to like yeah. prove in court that they didn't actually film it the way it shows up in camera that they filmed them in two different rooms and apparently used a dwarf for the scenes where the two appear to be standing close to each other.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, like she's full on. So for the context for people who may be, cause this is not a well-known movie, but there's a, the mom of the little boy is like a servant to this lady. And he, she sends the little boy to bring her like her tea and the chicks just naked in the room and just will not like, accept her tea and let the kid leave she's constantly like mm. she's calling him over to her and he's like she, he's awkwardly trying to get out of there because he recognizes that this is wrong she's like uh she's like tanning under
3: like a sun lamp yeah yeah like completely nude sprawled out on this like i don't know yeah. couch which thing or whatever which is fine as long as there's no little boys <laughs> in him. no but then when he comes in and he's like oh this is awkward and she's like, no, no, bring me my tea. Like, bring it over to me. And then when he doesn't even come all the way over to her, she stands up and starts walking towards him, making all these weird comments about.
4: Well, she basically uh, asks him how many girls he's fucked. Yeah. And, you know, him being a little boy is like a bunch.
3: <laughs> she's like, no, nah, that's the thing. It's like,
4: well, yeah. And then she basically says, I'll fuck you right now. Boys. Let's there go. And his and his mom calls, and then she belittles him for answering his mom's call and and not like pulling his dick out, basically. God which, damn it! Which once again, you gotta admit, this is this is some weird territory this film's in because this is both like adolescent boy fantasy stuff and like traumatizing. Horrible stuff. No, it's yeah. This is, it fuck, is it fuck you it's up. What, or you'd never be able to get a regular boner the
2: rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's what little boys think they want because they don't understand yet, and but the fact they don't understand yet is why you're not allowed to do shit like this. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it is messed up, and it's not the only scene in the movie where she hits on little boys either. It's not. It's a character trait she has. It's problematic. Yeah. It's so weird so uncomfortable like
3: if i would have been watching this and my wife came home and walked in i don't know what explanation i would have i would just be like uh 70s span or 70s italian movies i don't know i don't like it either but it's happening i can't you know i can't help that it's it's almost
4: almost as bad as the shit from burial ground with the uh the horrible giant headed man boy that like bites his mom's tit off. You
3: guys have All seen right. Barrel Ground, right? <laughs> uh, I think so, but it's been so fucking long. I don't remember anything about it. It's like that—that that sounds familiar, but I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, they've got they've got a dude who is
4: not a child playing a child because he's very small and apparently I don't know. He, he has spinal bifida or something. I don't know. He's a, he's a very little. Person who looks a bit like a child, and the voiceover has a voice like this, which makes it so much worse. Mommy, mommy,
2: I want to feel safe against your breast, mommy. <laughs> can we stop? Can we stop talking about this right now? <laughs> uh, can we go back to talking about the child rape in the movie that we're supposed to be talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, so turns about-
4: out. How about that dead kid in that bathtub?
2: That's dope. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, can we... Let's just move on. It's terrible that this woman keeps hitting on children. <laughs> we don't want to talk about it anymore. Nobody does. So well, and, get it, brought up. and it sucks that she's, like, smoking hot, too, which does not help. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well Yeah, yeah. like, I was super happy she was naked when... It's just when the kid first walks in, because I assumed it would just be like this awkward thing where she would cover up and he would run out of the room and it was just an excuse for us to see. I didn't know it was going to be a plot point. (laughs) So, anyways. Moving on from that. (laughs) Boner! Retreat! Quickly! (laughs) When the opening scene of this movie is like a witch digging up the bones of a child and you can see her like digging through the dirt and pull it up that like small skeleton that's fucking awesome and there's a number of scenes with child skeletons in this movie (laughs) as well as a number of dead children one of whom has had his head bashed in and then left laying in the water so he would drown one of whom is like drowned in a bathtub they They all look that bathtub corpse is just top notch they are awesome like they look they all look great all of the all of the like high end gore in this movie for a 1972 Italian movie it looks great. The bodies look awesome. Mm-hmm. Except for that final guy falling off the cliff which again reeks of <laughs> Italian <laughs> filmmaking. But everything else is great and it really it, for me it really sucked me into the movie at first. Like even though the movie wasn't really making sense to me for a long while. I, I was really engaged with it just because i'm like show me the next dead body i want to see the next one those things are fucking cool
4: (laughs) yeah but the the procession of fake murderers in this film is just
1: Oh, good lord
4: I don't know. Have you guys ever heard the Patton Oswalt stand-up thing where he talks about the uh, the comedy magician that gets pissed off over the money he had stole and he's doing his tricks like, here you go, two rings, they're together, done, and he throws it off stage and he's like, "Fuck you." That's what I feel like this whole movie's <laughs> plot system was. They were like, "Here's a guy, he killed him, blackmail. Yeah, he's weird. Nope, not him. Gone." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it, even Creepy more child than, than the chick. she's sexy i bet she did it nope wrong black man black witch she did it nope fuck you too gone <laughs> yeah
2: because like, there's what four accused murderers here and then at the end when the reveal comes that it's the priest it's like well he was never on the list of suspects until the very end
4: yeah no. there was never there was never a single insinuation that maybe he was involved no. and the fact that this movie is called don't torture a duckling Because one of the final clues in the movie is that they find a Donald Duck head in one of the crime
2: scenes. What about the plot point that the little girl who's like handicapped, she is um, pulling the heads off her dolls because she's witnessed her older brother, who's the priest, strangling people. So she keeps mimicking that and accidentally (laughs) tearing heads off her dolls. That's a great plot point. I love that that was happening in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, And what about, like, can we talk about the scene where that witch is beat to death? Because that was some nasty Italian filmmaking. That was like Last House on the Left level shit, where they were just like, they were whipping her in the face with chains and she's bleeding and shit. And they don't quite kill her. They let her have just enough strength to crawl over to the highway so that she can die laying on the highway watching cars come by where all of the people driving by clearly see her and don't stop to help (laughs) <laughs> that was just so, It was fucking cruel and mean The first Always. car
3: Was like a family Like a, like a husband and wife And like two small, small kids And I could tell that they were just The dad and the mom were just like Nope, just keep on going And I'm trying to like imagine Like yeah. if I had little kids like that And this is a pre-cell phone world What the fuck would I do? Do I pull pull over and subject my kids To whatever horrible shit is going on or do i just go well the guy behind me will probably take care of it so i'm just gonna keep driving
2: on by it's it's a weird thing right and it's like human nature is to let somebody else take care of that problem because that's a fucked up problem <laughs> and yeah and i'll tell you like based on my experience of you know being raised by italian people idea of like, oh, it's it's my responsibility to stop and help a total stranger. That's not really part of that culture based on my experiences. They're more of a why why would be why would it be on me to stop and take care of this? I didn't do that to her. Kind of attitude. So I'm not surprised. But it it was hard to watch her, like the way the film is shot, like he's making it very clear that these drivers are seeing her and not stopping. And I'm like, but we already, like, as an audience, we know she didn't kill these kids. And it's just this, like, superstitious town that is still going to beat her to death for doing it, even though she didn't. And we already had to watch her get beat, and now we've got to watch her just lay there and suffer. <laughs> and it's, like, daytime, too, by this point in the film, because like, most of the beating happens at night. But the cars driving by is, like, in bright sunlight. It's just this fucked up lady laying on the side of the road all beat to shit, and nobody cares. It's hard. Well, to be fair, Doug, she shouldn't have been a
3: weirdo. Yeah. She obviously brought this upon herself.
2: Well, and that's, I mean, that's obviously the way the movie is. I think the movie is making us, supposed to be making us question that logic. Like, they think everybody is going to think what you just said. Mm. But what if we actually shouldn't (laughs) just let people die on the side of the road because they're weird? What if we should help them? What? I mean, look. There's two sides to every issue, so I'm not going to sit here and tell people how they should think. But it seems to be that probably it's wrong to watch somebody die just because they're a little strange. And it's even more wrong to beat them to death with a chain because they're a little strange. And then obviously having... It's not not subtle to have the priest be the guy using his religion to justify murdering children. I mean, mean, that's... unless Stephen King wrote it, it's not going to get any more obvious where your criticisms are than that. So. Do we have anything else? No, I I still don't think we know what did we think of this movie other than we Uh, all know which parts we deemed inappropriate. (laughs) No, I, I liked it. I think I did too. I thought it was all right.
3: Yeah. I think I did like the other movie more, and maybe that's because of the new to the hallway, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's
4: weird to say this. I think the filmmaking in the other movie is better than the filmmaking in this movie. But I think at the end of the day, I prefer this movie just because, you know, I'll always go for the (laughs) one with the more outrageous bullshit in it.
3: (laughs) Because of the inappropriate flirting? Is that why you prefer this movie?
4: that's that's only a small part of it i think that no that dude that priest going off the cliff is just that makes this whole fucking movie
2: yeah it's a tough call because like this movie in many ways felt more like a grimy 70s movie so i'm not too surprised to hear that you would like it more no the other movie had all the weird like also very 70s but all the weird like kind of psychedelic imagery and stuff <laughs> and it's like okay so which one of these do you, are you in the mood for, I think, is the question. Because storyline-wise, they're surprisingly similar. And it's like the the plot lines play out relatively similar. And then you've just got, well, what do you, do you want to be a bunch of people in some weird little town who beat a witch to death? Or do you want to be some crazy lady running around a psychiatric institution and then later getting attacked by bats? What are you in the mood for? I think that's <laughs> the big difference between the two. I do think you can see the advances in the filmmaking and the storytelling a couple of years later. I mean the the effects are better in the first movie we talked about. The um everything just kind of flows more naturally, I think. Mm-hmm. But at the same time this one is it's more unique of a film, I would say, in the sense that it's it's just that dirty grimy like it feels more like they're doing stuff just to gross you out and the, the dead children on screen is I don't know. I don't want to say I like it when there's dead children on screen, but I I kind of do. Like, I think it, it adds an element of, like, ickiness to it that is just like, oh, God, like that's just a dead little boy there, and they're all just going to stand around him and talk about how he died. And it's, it's like, ah, oh, I don't... It makes you feel a bit uncomfortable, which is what we, they're trying to do, so it's a compliment. We should also
3: mention that it's revealed when they're talking to the witch lady... That those three boys were fucking assholes. Sure. So, yeah. so
2: you don't feel bad about seeing dead children on, on this in this well, movie. I mean look, I don't want to get into a whole debate about morality, but I think even if a child's an asshole, you still shouldn't murder them in the real world. Well, yeah, but yeah. this is
3: seventies Italian,
4: so Yeah. Okay, like, yeah, it's okay. It's I'm not I'm not saying you should kill them. I'm <laughs> just saying that if they were to be killed.
3: <laughs> they were how bad are you supposed to feel about they're like they're like 10 and they were smoking cigarettes doug they were obviously problem children yes and they shot that, that poor
4: the, lizard with a slingshot right yeah they were very literally digging up that woman's child's grave
2: yeah oh well, the kids had it coming don't get me wrong like the kids had the vengeance of that witch coming to them but the funny part is like her vengeance was irrelevant <laughs> Because she was just a crazy lady that thought she could do magic. And the real problem is the priest that throws people off cliffs. Which again, obviously the message of the movie is that the real danger is not the uh, not the witches, but actually the priests. Which is probably true in real life. And is probably why this movie should get a wide release in your country so that your people can learn that. <laughs> most of us already know that.
0: Uh, All right. So
3: what's everybody watched since last episode? A thing.
4: Uh, Well, technically a bunch of things, but most of them are the Christmas movies that I watch every single year. So I'm not going to go through that list all over again. But I finally watched Midnight
3: Mass. Oh, yeah. Let me guess. You thought it was perfect. No. (laughs) I refuse. I refuse to get on your weird
4: perfect train.
1: I would say. uh, Perfect.
4: Perfect. 90%. 90% 90%. 90% good. But those fucking monologues are just... Are perfect. No, no. They're, they are hot fucking garbage. That is bad filmmaking. Maybe uh, not bad filmmaking. That's uh, bad writing. I would
3: disagree,
2: but... No, sure. I I disagree with that. I, no, like I was, I was going to give you that maybe those monologues aren't for everybody. Um, I can understand that some people might not enjoy... Listening to a character talk, but they are well written. They are well performed. They feed into the themes of the show extremely well. I mean, now I know I today, get it. Not everybody wants to listen to monologues, but because I'm not against all the monologues, because
4: the priest has a couple that I'm totally okay with, where he goes on some kind of a rant about this, that, or the other thing, and it's like, okay, I'm down. But, like, I think especially the the ones that I found especially egregious were the ones where they were talking about what happens when you die. That was just in fucking sufferable. Having one person monologue for five and a half minutes and then turn around and have the other person do the exact same fucking thing. And then to turn around the next fucking, uh, I guess, two episodes later and do it again. Fuck that. Fuck that dumb, stupid shit. <laughs> Fuck it. It's dumb. It's bad. I loved it.
3: Perfect. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Doug said. Yeah, perfect.
4: yeah pretentious asshole uh, garbage.
2: <laughs> sure. Perfect pretentious ass holy garbage. <laughs> there's there's look, there's no denying it's pretentious. That's totally true. But it's so well done that it's OK to be pretentious sometime. I mean, like I've been saying for years that you know, the most pretentious person in the world is Quentin Tarantino. And I always enjoy his movies, even though every moment of them is dripping with pretentiousness. That's fine. Sometimes filming filmmaking is pretentious it's a literally a guy going I have these great ideas let's spend millions and millions of dollars to put them on the screen so other people have to hear them so of course it's gonna be a little bit pretentious sometimes that's just what it is
4: really I just thought it was him going how can I get this woman's
2: feet on camera well that's that's there's an element of that yes that is Tarantino but, I mean, yeah, there, there's something pretentious about that inherently, right? The fact that because he likes feet, he just want, thinks the rest of us should have to stare at feet. Oh, that is pretentiousness <laughs> by its definition. And you know what? Yes, the, I think that Mike Flanagan is a bit pretentious in his filmmaking style. By the time he gets to Midnight Mass, he's earned it. He does it extremely well. I let him be pretentious. That's fine. It's, it's, it's what he's doing and you can and again like i understand that not everybody wants to listen to monologues i get that but to suggest that they were to suggest that it's bad filmmaking is incorrect just because you didn't enjoy it it's just there's things in filmmaking that i don't enjoy i don't watch musicals cuz i'm never going to enjoy one so i just don't and that's fine that's fine if it's not for you but that doesn't make it bad filmmaking no yeah. i don't yeah, no. i don't
4: think using a monologue is bad filmmaking I think overusing them is clearly bad filmmaking. It's it's kind of the same thing with uh, uh, narration or, or like uh, internal monologue or exposition or something like that. Using it isn't the problem. You can use it. It's possible to use it. But if you overdo it and don't like pull back a little bit, it, it's going to turn into shit. Which in this case... Turned into a little bit of shit. Lies. just And, and once yeah, again, it's... it's my only complaint of the whole fucking thing. Besides that, I like the characters. Well, I shouldn't say I like the characters. I thought they were good characters. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking, that church lady. I was, mm. I, I, I'll, I'll, I take it back. Second complaint. She didn't die horribly enough. <laughs> <laughs> You don't do that. You cannot. Uh, cannot, I won't won't argue that one. You cannot have that fucking character get to the end of a fucking movie like this where a whole bunch of people get horribly mangled and stuff and then have her get the quick two second death. That is just, I don't know. I was like, bullshit. (laughs) The cop, the cop who deserved to like die well instead died slowly of a (laughs) gunshot. Like, like, fuck.
2: Well, I think yeah. People did not get a fair outcome to their for to their uh for their behaviors in this particular movie or series. That was just No, no that, that was not one of the themes was not everybody gets a fair outcome. Whatever you did, you know, you get back. No, that was not there. Well,
4: yeah, I see it's kind of interesting. I'm kind of confused at the end of it what Flanagan's take on God actually is. Okay. If they're if they're in in uh. so in that world, is there or is there not a God? Because it sure seems like the the atheist who is pointing out that everything's awful and that there is no way that there's a God seems to be absolutely correct at the end, but it ends with all the vampires singing a hymn while they burn to death. <laughs>
2: um I think the the message is that is there that the religion is incorrect. Now, whether you want to interpret that to mean that there is no God or not, I think is there's more room for debate. I'm not sure if it answers the God question.
4: Yeah. I would I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I really like the fact that he strung through the whole thing as this idea that that um a lot of prominent atheists have been pointing out for a real long time. And that is you can take Bible verses out of context and make them say anything you fucking want them to say. Mm. I mean, in this case, they yes. were literally justifying vampirism. They were like, "No, being a vampire makes lo- look, look in in Corinthians, it clearly says Jesus is into blood."
2: Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really long book, so <laughs> right. you, know, you can choose to misinterpret it if you want.
4: Yeah, I dug it. I dug what the the angel slash vampire demon thing, whatever the fuck it was. I mean, it's got to be just a vampire, right? It's got to (laughs) be. You can't use all the rules for vampires and then then it not be a
2: vampire. No, they the idea that he found a vampire, but because of his. The way religion has twisted his view of the world, he interpreted it to be an angel and then brought it back and allowed it to kill all his people that's part of the messaging in this which is that like it's amazing how people (laughs) who are into religion will misinterpret real world events because they're trying to make it fit into their religious viewpoint yeah
3: i even took it as as far as people will take stuff that is blatantly evil obviously very evil but they will push it through that religious lens to try to make it like, no, this is good, this is good for everybody. Yeah, and they end up getting yeah. fucked in the end.
4: Well, there's a, there's just there's a ton of interesting things that go on. So so there's the parallel of the the thirst for blood and alcoholism, obviously, that goes on in the uh, yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird that I feel like in one breath, the show's kind of saying, well you know, it's it's a little bit out of people's control, and you know, you have to try to, like, rein this stuff in, but whenever you fuck up, it's it's not entirely your fault. And then in the next breath, being like, no, you can absolutely control it, you piece of shit. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, there's even a, the, the scene where, you know, the vampires are running amok, and uh, uh, the main character's dad shows up, and him and the mom are talking, and He's like, you know, whenever I saw them killing everyone in the church, I I kind of forgave them because I thought it was some uncontrollable thing and he goes, "But here I am. I haven't fucking killed anybody, <laughs> you know." And it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a good fucking point. All those people were just uh weak-willed motherfuckers that just killed a bunch of
2: people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's it's complicated too, right? When you look at the behavior of anyone that's under the control of something other than just themselves whether that's through brainwashing or alcohol or whatever it's like well there's a balance that has to be struck between what's your own fault and what is the fault of your addiction or your religion or your whatever that's guiding your behavior and it's complicated and i think sometimes it's okay for a film to just say like yeah it's complicated They don't actually come to a real direct answer uh, as to who is 100% to blame. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: There's a couple moments in here that I, too, that I was like, damn, Mike Flanagan, you cold (laughs) as (laughs) ice.
1: Fucking
4: just kill, just kill the main character off halfway through the show. It's fucking, Mm -hmm. oh, oh my God, whenever, uh, Whenever the cop's son drank the poison, I was like, oh my god Right? <laughs> that's dark. Yeah. How dark is that?
3: Yeah. And all those fucking people holding him down, pulling him up by his hair so he has to watch it.
4: Oh, man. I really wasn't sure. Like, whenever that scene started going off, I was kind of like looking at the clock on the show and I was like, is this going to end with just everybody being vampires?
3: <laughs> sort of. Because that's going to be real fucked. <laughs>
4: I did th- I thought it was weird that they left it open for a sequel. Did they though? Yes. One hundred percent. You can't you can't have the main vampire uh, die
2: off screen mm-hmm. and, and say you, you didn't believe? leave it open. We got confirmation of his death though. Did you? Because
3: depending yes, on what girls. rules you follow. If you follow the Lost Boys rules, then yes he did die off screen because the girl said that she couldn't feel her legs so that would but insinuate I feel like,
4: see power, I just I just assumed
2: it was because
3: gone. she stopped taking the sacrament
2: like it was I, it's been a while since I watched it so the exact dialogue eludes me but I feel like it was if you kill him then the people who haven't gone all the way aren't fully transformed will go back And that's what happened with her.
4: No, I just see. I don't think that's what they exactly said. They said if if they stop taking in the stuff, your body would be able to purge it if you hadn't already gone too far. But the whole thing with him, you know, they see him flying off west or whatever. And they say he's trying to outrun the sun in that he's injured, so he can't possibly fi- fly that fast. But then he kind of flies out of view. And that's just the end of that. You're like, uh yeah, I don't like that. That's too open. I like I I kind of like the fact that generally in his shows at the end, he's kind of rubber stamped the shit out of him. You know what I mean? He's like, no, end of story. Yeah. <laughs> you know. In this one, it's like, oh, no, somebody could totally just justify it and be like he healed. You know, he can heal fast. He healed two Look, seconds after flying down.
2: Don't get me wrong. Like a studio exec could very well make that decision. But that's mm. I don't think that that's what happened in the show. I think Brian and I are agreeing <laughs> that it's it's lost boys rules. You kill the head vampire. You save the people who haven't transformed fully yet. meaning they haven't gone that step of like dying and resurrecting.
4: Meeting me, meeting those two kids in that canoe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep yes yes there's not there's not a lot of people who got saved it's not a happy ending <laughs> it's no. just you know because yeah, i, I just,
4: really I'll, I'll be honest with you guys i really really thought at the end they're sitting there by the canoe and uh the paralyzed girl starts praying i, I was just waiting i was like that vampire is gonna swoop in and kill that blonde kid standing right fucking behind her <laughs> it's gonna happen right now she's just yeah be with my mom and my
3: dad and (laughs) yeah i actually just did a rewatch of this i watched it because amanda wanted to watch it and we finished it last week and uh yeah that scene ends they're both sitting in the canoe and then you know credits roll she's like there's what there's another episode and i was like no that's it it's done it's over and i'm just like so what do you think happens i mean they can't row to the mainland. They said that's like 30 miles away. So they just row back to this island where everybody's dead. <laughs> and they just sit there like, well, now what the fuck do we do? Well, well I'm assuming e- I'm assuming
4: the oh. EMS would send people out to the island when they see the giant pillar of smoke from the entire <laughs> city burning. <laughs>
1: okay. But
4: how are those kids ever going to explain what the fuck happened? Right. Because it's just there's a bunch of corpses that are just clearly mangled and have human teeth marks on them. And 75% of the island that were turned into vampires have evaporated into dust. And there is no (laughs) evidence that they were ever there. And every building has been burned. Every single building.
2: (laughs) Since we're going to get the sequel. well, Sounds like you just, you were just able to explain it. I don't know what the Uh, problem is. You just say that.
4: Well, I'm just saying they, They're they like, okay, well, you two are now The most notorious serial killers in history So <laughs> You're going to prison forever But I'm, but I'm paralyzed, yeah, it doesn't matter <laughs> Yeah, I'm paralyzed I obviously didn't do
3: nothing That's why you to... used your teeth
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alright, you watch
2: anything else, though? Nope, that's it What about you, Doug? <laughs> I don't have a lot either because like Noah, all of my stuff was just the standard, you know, Christmas horror movies and stuff that I go through every year. People can go back and listen to last year's episode if they want to know. Um, one really interesting thing I did, I finally tracked down that director's cut of Rocky IV. Mm-hmm. Uh what a super interesting piece of filmmaking. What a weird <laughs> idea to take a to take a movie as campy and cheesy as Rocky four and attempted to cut it into being like a real movie <laughs> that has like drama in it.
3: So I'm curious about this because I have not heard a
2: single person talk about this. Okay. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's so for the whole movie is kind of like recut. The first half of the movie is extended. So you have more scenes. You have actual scenes that weren't in the original cut. Um, including ones that help the movie make sense, such as like a scene of Rocky at a meeting with the boxing commission, like trying to get permission to go fight Drago, and they won't let him go. Which, if you watch the original cut of the movie, it's just like all of a sudden he just gave up his title so he so he could go fight Drago, and it's like, well, that what what happened there? (laughs) It's you know when you when you back to that in it makes a lot more sense they've edited out like the cheesiest elements like the robot is not there Aww, which if we are wrong I love that robot but it's pretty hard to like care about the characters after they literally are washing a car with the use of a robot that's been trained to talk dirty to the guy's brother-in-law um, so yeah but there, and then there's so many like subtle differences where it's like the entranceway walk to the ring when rocky goes in for the final fight is i would say a few seconds longer but it really feels very different um it adds like a sense of like you really feel like oh shit here's this guy like in this foreign country surrounded by a hostile crowd trying to make his way through to the ring to like battle this giant that killed his friend like it Versus, like the first movie, where it just feels like here's this just this superhero who showed up for the final battle, basically. Um, so I, I don't know if it's good or not, <clears throat> and I don't know that there's any way to edit the original Rocky Four into a traditionally good movie. It was really interesting to see how they tried, um, and it was just yeah, I was just, like at the beginning there's there's added scenes of like. Apollo and Rocky talking and Rocky trying to talk him out of going to this fight and stuff and you're just like okay that that makes the death of Apollo much more impactful the fact that like leading up to that there was a uh, you know discussions as opposed to music videos like in the original version Um, but again I don't I don't know that you could ever you can't turn Rocky 4 into Rocky you just can't but it was neat to see them try hmm I think they're down to like four music videos in the whole movie. Oh, wow. So uh, from, well, there might've technically only been one music video in the first movie because it might've been the whole thing was just one <laughs> long music video. <laughs> um, so hard to, hard to explain exactly, but uh, yeah, just the first half of the movie is much slower. It's much more dramatic than you you know, he gets to Russia, you obviously are still going to have like a training montage. It's still a Rocky movie. The last fight is cut very differently and it, it felt much more impactful to me. Um, it felt more it felt more like a, a Rocky fight than a music video with boxers in it, um, which is key. So I don't know. I'm, I almost want to watch it again just so that I can decide if I like it or not rather than just the whole time watching it going, oh, what did they change here? What did they do? You know what I mean? Overthinking it mm No.
3: Yeah, I actually saw Rocky Four in the theater when it came out. Really?
2: Uh, this is really young. It's like 85?
3: So 86, 87, somewhere in there, I think. Uh, so we, uh, my parents took me and my friend to the theater with them, and it's a two-screen theater. So the deal was me and my friend were going to go see Karate Kid 2. And they were going to go see Rocky (laughs) four. Okay. (laughs) Because back then you just like, ah, you're like seven. You can go to a movie by yourself. Um, and then karate kid two ended up being sold out. So they're like, well, I guess you're going to watch Rocky four with us. So I have a deep love of that movie just because I was, yeah, that was 85. Um, Maybe, maybe I'm confusing... it was Rocky V you saw, is it? No, well, definitely. I didn't see Rocky V till the video, and I'm like, this was a piece of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> Rocky V's um, not good. Uh, so, for whatever reason, we had to go see Rocky IV with them instead. I thought it was Karate Kid 2, but maybe I'm confusing that with Top Gun. Maybe they just took us to see Rocky IV. That's a weird choice,
2: but sure. <laughs> it's- well, not really, because Rocky IV is effectively a kid's movie. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a superhero movie, right? It's, <laughs> you guy's got a pet robot, and then he just just like, flies in and like, fights the giant and defeats him and saves the world.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't know the exact, because so it looks like Credit Kid 2 was eighty seven, and then Rocky IV, or maybe it was eighty six, and Rocky IV was eighty five. But maybe they're like 85 was like December 85 and then Karate Kid 2. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But I saw that shit in the theater when it first came out and I've always had a deep love of Rocky IV since then, even though, yeah, logistically, it is one of the cheesiest movies ever, especially like you said, the music montages throughout the entire thing. It's like, well, we don't know where to go. So let's just do another montage of Rocky either working out or driving around thinking about his dead friend or
2: whatever. It'll get us where we need to go. And that's it's funny because now that I know that they filmed more scenes for the first opening part of that movie <laughs> cuz I think like they took out all the robot stuff and I think the movies are about the same length. Like I don't think it's it's actually any longer <laughs> and they just it's just they edited it out Nonsense and put in real movie parts. So mm. it's a like I say, it's it's a very different movie. I don't know if like it's impossible for me to formulate an opinion of Rocky Four, the director's cut, like outside of the context of Rocky Four, the original cut and everything else. Um, I can't I can't do that. Rocky's been too big a part of my life. Yeah. So I don't know if you get around to it, then I'll see what your opinion is on it. Yeah, I I was curious. Um, but yeah, I don't know it is something definitely I mean if if I'm recommending it to people, I'm recommending it as a curiosity like if you're if you're only gonna watch one rocky movie, don't make it Rocky four either cut like there's much better rocky movies out there. <laughs> like like if you want a cheesy boxing movie, watch three if you want a good drama movie, watch one or six or the first creed like there's there's lots of there's lots of rocky out there if you really want to watch it. Uh, anything else? Uh not really. Everything else is stuff that I think we're going to talk about towards the end of the show, right? We're going to get into our are we going to separate just a whole section for Marvel in this show or <laughs> what are we doing? There's, there's a lot to say. <laughs> um and I don't I think we're just going to want to go spoilery with it, which yeah. I think is should the I mean, be best option. I'm reasonably confident everybody's seen spider man now because with those box office receipts, there's not a lot of people Shit staying home sucks, right but we'll uh maybe we'll hold off to the end just in case people aren't terribly interested in uh hearing our spoilers or you know people tuned in for a giallo podcast and they just don't want to listen to us talk about superheroes <laughs> either way.
3: Uh, well, the only thing I really watched that we can talk about is uh, I watched Silent Night Deadly Night Four. Right. Um. Yeah. What the fuck was that movie? <laughs> that's that's what I Magnificent. said. Magnificent. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh. Yeah. So a woman get tries to get lured into a cult of some sort. Yep. And then there's a weird eyes wide shut type scene at the end, which uh, I didn't want to see uh fucking what's his face. Uh, Clint Howard in one of those weird masks with the giant nose on it while he's having sex with the girl. That really weirded me out. Uh, no, that's not something that was at the top of my list to uh, to make sure I see in my lifetime. <laughs>
2: You weren't, like, when he was holding up the giant bug right to the screen earlier in the movie, it didn't <laughs> occur to you at that point that maybe you'd like to see him in an eyes wide shut-like scene? No. That is for sure.
3: Why the fuck is this in the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise? It makes absolutely no fucking sense. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't it be?
2: Because <laughs> it has zero to do with Christmas? <laughs> No, they go to that. There's that one scene where she goes to, like, her boyfriend's house and it's Christmas.
3: Oh, okay. That explains it.
2: <laughs> I think they probably wrote that in after. Uh, <laughs> Shit, we... we own the rights to that franchise? Make this part of it. Hurry, hurry. Quick. Uh, yeah, I was not a big fan
3: of this. I, uh, I just was like, what the fuck is going on the entire time? Maybe if it was yeah. a separate movie and not quite as insane i would be like oh that's that weird cult movie from the 80s but what if, good lord
4: one of my favorite parts of the movie is that a film critic uh i'm trying to remember what the exact quote was i'm trying to look it up where he said something like it wasn't worth seeing unless you have a thing for big slimy
3: devil worms <laughs> 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 they're not wrong um yeah, I don't know. It was It's such a fucking weird movie. After part two, I don't know why, ever what the hell people were just like, yeah, we can just do whatever with this franchise. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that seems to be what they were thinking. Yep. <sighs> so all we have left is part five. Well, next year now. Yeah, it's, got to, be a, it's got to be a next year movie. But uh, from what I could tell, the main girl from this and Clint Howard both come back as their characters in the fifth one. They do, yeah.
2: I would, I would have watched this for sure if I knew that. They're both
3: listed. They're
2: both listed by the same
3: character names in the next movie.
2: The way the continuity of this series has gone, I think that might be a coincidence. It's just they brought the know. same actors back, gave the gave the same character names. Pure coincidence. Just I don't know. We'll see because right, i think it was like in the, in
3: the in the trivia it's like so and so reprises her character in part five <coughs> the uh toy maker or whatever starring one mickey right. rooney who apparently when the first one came out was lobbying for it to get pulled out of theaters but That's uh fierce. sometimes you gotta you gotta pay your rent
2: All right. Apparently, Christmas 2022 commentary track for Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. We all got to watch it anyway.
3: <laughs> the, the good
4: news is 5 does return to Christmas, by the way.
2: I would hope so. I feel like I've probably seen it, but I don't know. Mm.
3: Can't remember it at all. Maybe it's one of those you saw when you were younger, but you missed like the opening of the movie, so you never knew what it was called, so you just had to live your life wondering. It could be something like that. Here's a brief glimpse of
1: some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
3: Um, All right. For next week, uh, I forgot to assign this to anybody, so I guess I'll pick the movies. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about some 70s uh, rat movies. We're going to be talking about Willard from 1971 and Ben. Yeah, fuck yeah. Never seen either one of them, so I'm excited. Yeah, neither have I. That's why they're on the list. Well, next week more rat movies. Because you always go Christmas, then Giallo, then Rats. It's usually how it goes. Right. Perfect sense. That's, That's how I've always goes, done it.
4: Goes together like lamb and tuna fish.
3: Uh, all right, we ready to talk about some Marvel? Yeah. There right. uh, Let's do Hawkeye first. Get that bullshit out of the way. With the fucking Kingpin, Kingpin. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess we're into spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> straight <laughs> into the spoilers. Uh, we warned,
4: we warned about spoilers beforehand.
3: Funny thing is, I think this was like very common knowledge that he was probably going to show up in it, but after after
2: Mephisto Gate of uh, WandaVision, nobody was sure. No, and it's always a thing too, where it's like I, I, I never know if i want to know or if i want to be Mm. surprised like when we especially when we get into our next marvel topic i'm like i really wish i could have been surprised going into that one i agree with that um so as noah mentioned kingpin does return
3: yeah fuck yeah episode five you get like a picture on a shitty cell phone of him, and you're like wait is that it's Kingpin, but is that Vincent D'Onofrio? I can't tell. And then I, do. Can... I think the best reveal
4: is that not only is uh, Kate Bishop's mom the the one of the bad guys, mm-hmm. but that Swordsman isn't one of the bad guys and never oh, has been. <laughs> that was so delicious. I love that man. <laughs>
3: and he's still and he's still
4: so chill about it.
3: Yeah. He was absolutely delightful. Like, I wanted to hate him, and I couldn't. And I'm like, I can't, because he's a, he's a bad guy, so I fucking hate him. But I'm like, but, oh, he's so fucking charming. And then it turns out he's a good guy, and I'm like, yes!
2: He's a good guy! That means I could like him! <laughs> At the end, when he's just like, well, I guess this is my time to shine. And he just starts joining the fight. He's swinging his sword around. I'm like, this makes no sense. This is dumb. I love it. I love it.
3: It's so ridiculous.
2: It's so much uh, better than if it, they had made it make sense. Right. Oh,
3: I thought the, the, the
4: fucking quite possibly the best moment is whenever they're sidekick LARPers are like, guys, they're not going <laughs> to listen to us like this. It's time. And they go in and they come out dressed in all their stuff and literally yeah. just start going,
3: okay, everybody, that way, that way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and people actually start listening. Yeah, because you dress like a superhero, people will listen to you. Everybody knows that.
3: Oh, my God. It was so good. Uh, Amanda loves Yelena in this. I did like, too. She thought she was pretty good in the Black Widow movie. She's
4: she's growing on me,
3: but just that conversation with Kate Bishop where she's in her apartment and she's like, "Come yeah. on, I you know I make I made mac and cheese. Yeah. You saying you don't want mac and cheese?" And she's like, "Oh my god, I love her to death." I'm like, "Right, the, she's pretty fantastic."
2: Yeah, the interactions between those two were fantastic. That old scene where she's like, "Mac and cheese is delicious. Like you don't have to tell me what mac and cheese <laughs> tastes like. I know it's delicious." Like she's so frustrated. Well, the funny he,
3: thing is. Uh, I made sure like I elbowed Amanda, made sure she was paying attention when that scene came up a couple months ago, Amanda started on this kick. She's like, I've had this serious boxed Mac and cheese, like craving, but not like the cheese pack. I need like the powder Mac and cheese. Like for some reason, my brain is making me want to go back to being a kid and have some of this powdered Mac and cheese, even though it's fucking terrible it for some reason is all I want to eat. And we get to that line and she's like, come on, you know, box mac and cheese. She's like, you don't need to tell me about box mac and cheese. I know it's delicious. And Amanda about lost it. That's
1: awesome.
3: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I want a buddy cop like show with them. Yeah. I guess not necessarily a cop show, but you know what I mean? Just those two hanging out, getting into adventures together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. they were great when they had that fight scene in like, I guess it was in the last episode where they're like going through the building and they're like, obviously new black widow is holding back a little bit. So she doesn't just destroy her, (laughs) but they're just trash talking all the time. I was having so much fun watching it.
4: (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, there is, there is a little weird. I don't know if it's a plot hole or just something they haven't resolved yet. The fact that her mom hired, Elena to kill Clint doesn't make any sense because we had that post credit scene where uh what's goddamn it. What's her face? Uh fuck. Echo? Chick from
3: Seinfeld. Oh, Julie Louis Dreyfus.
4: Thank you. Where
2: she gave her the Hawkeye packet. So that doesn't make any damn sense. Um those if they're working together and we just don't know that yet.
4: Yeah. Yeah, like I said maybe it's just something they haven't got to yet, but for right now it was like, I don't know,
3: it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe, maybe Val's putting together like this mercenary team so they can be hired to do whatever.
1: Uh,
4: so I love what they did with Kingpin. Kind of like ramped him up a little bit strength-wise and uh, He's a little less Melodrama than he was in uh, Daredevil Yeah A
3: little more straightforward crime boss Less crying about Vanessa
2: Yeah Yeah I, I feel like It's a possibility that this is not the same kingpin Do you guys think that? But this is um, this guy was more of a comic book character than the other one, and they possi- possibly. I mean, maybe, they have an
4: excuse to adjust anything they want with the multiverse thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, I I, I could see this being an alternate timeline where it's like, you, it'll it'll make it easier to blend Daredevil in with the other characters as well when they decide to to do that. Um, because he was just too different. He was too too much more cartoony, too much more comic booky. It's just, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I yeah. really it felt the, like a different character
4: that fight scene between him and Kate Bishop is so good, yeah e- especially because it kind of shows that single mindedness of him that he's like, quit you fucking annoying nat you know what I mean
2: yeah, yeah I mean is perfect for the role still, like regardless of which version it is, whether it's meant to be the same guy or whether it's meant to be an alternate timeline version. I'm glad they brought him back. Yeah. Mm, so do you
4: so. guys do you guys think they intentionally shot him to look bigger yes. than he did in Daredevil? Because he looks huge.
3: I feel like I they he, shot he him. He looks bigger. Yeah. yeah, they shot him from lower angles to make him look bigger.
1: Yeah.
3: Which I don't know why they didn't do more of that in
2: Daredevil, but I know they were trying to do more of well, a Daredevil, grounded sort of yeah. street level show. Well, and I think just the way they dressed him in this show too was People look fatter in Hawaiian shirts. That's just how it is. <laughs> um, you know, like I think they did that. That that was all done intentionally to make him look bigger and more like the comic book version, which is fine. Uh any other favorite parts? How we know, doing? I like
4: the whole thing, the the uh the ice skating ring fight scene where it's uh Clint and Kate against basically the horde of tracksuit douchebags. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I do what like about that the part he, got, where he they... got stuck in a tree and she's just like, where are you at? And he's like, uh, I'm stuck in a tree. Oh, don't worry. I'll take care of it. He's like, no, no, nope,", nope, nope.
2: <laughs> Just
3: falls anyway. What
2: about when they uh, shrunk that van full of guys down and they're like, what are we going to do about <laughs> this now? And then the owl carries it off and you're like, all right, owls going to eat those dudes. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that they basically re- react like resolved. <laughs> We no longer have to worry about that. <laughs> we don't have to call Scott now. Uh, when I put together the trick arrows, I got all excited because we we're going to get tomorrow <laughs> to go off. And then when they all went off, I'm like, I enjoyed watching all those go off. I like the <laughs> foamy ones. I like the ones that like catch people and pull them up in the air by their feet. All that stuff was fun.
3: Uh, we did get the reveal that Hawkeye's wife used to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I think... Uh, she was the Mockingbird designation. I don't know if she used that name, but from the thing I watched, she's like, uh, she's given the number 19, which apparently was Mockingbird's designation on the comics.
2: Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if they're going to go that way or not. But Which I find I
4: find that interesting, because that that's another thing where they kind of sever Marvel yeah. movies off from a TV show, because... Mockingbird
3: was in Agency S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I think they're specifically just like, we don't care about anything on that show, so we'll just ignore it. Which is sad, because Coulson's so great. Right? And plus I had yeah. a Chopping Mall episode. Come on.
2: Anything with a Chopping Mall episode <laughs> <It> deserves <laughs> to be canon. True. But the other side of that is, it's just a different timeline. It's not that it doesn't count, it's just that it didn't happen here.
3: I know. But maybe I want a Chopping Mall homage movie. We just need to all make it happen.
4: It was extra disappointing that we don't ever actually get Echo as the bad guy. They just immediately kind of wrapped that up, resolved it, and were like, no, she's getting her own show.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a bummer they announced her own show before
2: the (laughs) show even like premiere. Yeah, that's going to be a problem with all this Marvel stuff is we know everything before it happens, right?
4: oh yeah I mean they are leakier than the Trump presidency
2: it's it's
4: getting serious at this point like they can't do anything without it leaking that day Yeah.
3: Uh, so it looks like at the end of the movie they're keeping Pizza Dog out at the farm maybe or he's staying with Kate Bishop she went out to the farm either way
2: Uh, I think he's staying with Kate I think that she's just there for the holidays and she'll go back to the city right I don't know. So she'll be hawkeye around. (laughs) Dad's dead and her mom's in prison, supposedly. Yeah, but her almost stepdad is out there fighting crime with his sword. So what's the problem? (laughs) It's true. Plus, she's going to go back and she's going to be just hawkeye about, right? Street-level crime for the next little while. Mm. It's fine. I'm interested to see where this young Avengers stuff ends up going did you guys think they were being excessively woke when they did the joke at the end where she's like talking about how her name should be like lady hawk or some like girl hawkeye and then they're like nope you can just be hawkeye
4: <laughs> oh although that's even more confusing because there there currently is a hawkeye so it's hawkeye and
3: hawkeye yeah hmm. i mean they did it in the, well, the- books,
2: didn't they? I think to some extent they're implying that he's going to retire finally, but they've been implying that every time he's been on screen since the first movie. So
4: yeah. Oh, I really thought he was going to be dead by the end of the episode.
2: Mm. So you thought it was going to be end on a bummer.
4: No, not necessarily end on a bummer. I thought it was going to be like he dies and then Kate it actually similar ending. It's Kate goes to live with his family
3: Mm. See, I feel like it would have been a bummer because then Clint never would have made it home for Christmas, and that's a giant bummer.
4: Yeah. Once again, I kind of thought that was—I <laughs> kind of thought that was the theme. The theme was going to be he has to pay for killing all those people.
3: Nah, seems much no, no, more. That's not, that's not the theme. Much more just, uh, eh? You know, Thanos killed a bunch of people, so we're just gonna we're just gonna chalk this one up
2: to. Up to shenanigans and you're fine. That it, they really do just whitewash the fact that he was a murderer for five straight years. <laughs> and they're just like, "But you only killed bad guys. It's, ah, fine. it's fine. It's all right. It's okay. It is. They really just don't care that he murders so many people. At the end, so many people know. And they're all just like, yeah. But Thanos, though, right? You know what I'm saying? Thanos? <laughs>
4: It's fine. <laughs> Fully, he even straight up says it. He goes, "Listen, we all handled it in our own way," and it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, but your way, you killed a bunch of people. That's not the same. Like a lot. That's not the same as gaining fifteen pounds, eating Ben and Jerry's."
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't be body shaming Thor. Wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah. No. <laughs> 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 which, which, has anybody seen pictures of Chris Hemsworth for uh, Love and Thunder? No, he's extra ripped. Apparently, he's gotten the biggest he's ever gotten as the character. Like his trainer or something said that. In the pictures, you look at him. It's like, Jesus Christ, he is fucking huge.
4: And it sounds like he's absolutely done, too. I think this is going to be the last Thor thing. Oh,
3: really? Because I've I've always heard him saying he's going to keep playing Thor until Marvel tells him he can't play Thor no more.
4: Really? Because yeah. I've seen a bunch of interviews where he keeps saying stuff about how basically how much of his life it takes up because to stay in Thor shape obviously he has to like be in the gym for yeah. three and a half hours every every day of his life on top of all of his work
3: well for a while it seems like he was getting them to let him not get as big as he used to so it was much more manageable but obviously this time he just went fucking overboard and I don't know if it was like well I was fat in the last movie so I have to like Show that the characters come back in a big way by becoming super duper ripped. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, overall I was a big fan of Hawkeye. I saw a lot of people complaining about it. But I, I don't just know. don't I just to don't me, get
4: what people are complaining about. I thought it was it was entertaining, it was fun, it was well written, it had some genuinely emotional moments without being too heavy.
3: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, people after the last three Marvel series, this one's pretty tame comparatively, but it's a street level, like story. It doesn't have to be about world ending or multiverses or, you know, whatever else.
4: I've seen people complaining about it being kind of silly. And I was like, but you liked Loki and they're like, well, yeah, it was Loki. And it's like. You can't you can't say this is silly and then say Loki is good, you know, it's like yeah. like Loki was next level silly. <laughs> there was a crocodile
3: wearing a Loki hat in it. Right.
4: I mean, it was pretty much a, a joke. The whole show was a nonstop joke.
0: Mm. Yeah,
4: it was a good I, joke, I, but it was a joke.
2: I have this theory that everyone really liked Hawkeye and that there's like four loud voices out there complaining and you guys are getting sucked into an argument with them.
3: Probably. Oh, I'm not, I'm not arguing with anybody. I just read those headlines and I shake my head and go, those people are stupid. And then I just
2: scroll on. Yeah. Keep in mind that their objective is to get you to click their thing by saying things that upset you. So. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: And
4: the best thing about Hawkeye being over is the Book of Boba Fett starts next week. Yeah, it
3: does. Yeah. I'm so excited.
4: And then a few more weeks and Peacemaker starts, and it looks like it's going to be just funny as fuck. (laughs) I'm so excited. I never thought I I would be this excited for a John Cena project, (laughs) but I really, really, really am.
3: Let's not get crazy. He's not Batista level, but... It does look pretty entertaining. Yeah.
4: So Hawkeye, if you watched it, you know. Yeah. If good. you didn't watch it, what the fuck? Why are you listening to this?
2: You fucking idiot. Because I, I want to hear our Spider-Man talk. That's right.
3: I was going to say, as Doug mentioned, everybody's seen Spider-Man because of Jesus Christ. It's been out for like a week and a half or two weeks. No, a week and a half. And it's already made over a billion dollars. Yeah. Fuck. It's It's
4: and in, in the only bad thing I have to say about Spider-Man is that I don't think it's the best Marvel movie. End okay. of criticism. And I've had people argue with me about that. <laughs> Which is madness to be like, no, it's the absolute best. So I'm like, I don't I don't think it is.
2: It's really good.
1: It's really, really, really this
2: is, good. Again, this is you picking fights for no good reason. <laughs> like, just stop. Let's just talk about the movie and what's good yeah. about it. Because like, if you have criticisms of the actual movie, that's fine. But then we
3: can discuss. Because I don't even think it's an argument. <laughs> if it's like the best Marvel movie, it's like, who cares if it's the best Marvel movie? It's obviously, yeah. arguably, the best Spider-Man movie. Because it has things from every Spider-Man movie. In it. So it seem, doesn't seem like a big argument. Um,
2: should we just talk about the obvious right away? No. Multiple spider man I mean... Can, they fucking nailed it did they not nail it in a way that is so impressive because you remember like when we talked about this like because everyone knew like a year ago that all three guys were showing up and the number one thing that like i think we talked about it on this podcast was you can't i don't want these two guys showing up for like the final fight and just having a little cameo Mm -hmm. that's not good enough which is what i expected. yeah, you you also don't want them to overshadow. I mean, this isn't their movie. And they fucking nailed it so perfectly. They brought these guys in. They made them into real characters. They took advantage of the fact that we already know them. They got good performances from both of them. They had them have their own little little kind of storyline about how they got sucked into this world, and they've got to go back. But they were still there to service the Tom Holland storyline. And they they, they were like real characters that showed up to help for the movie. The same way like every other superhero like has been cameoing in other people's super the same way Doctor Strange is in this movie. It felt like the same thing. Like they show up. They serve their role. You get to know them a little bit. You get to like them a little bit. They get their own moments. But they're still serving the main storyline in a way that was just perfect. And they got like it was like just enough screen time to make sure that they were made they were characters and not cameos but at the same time not take away from the the main people mm. just they well, fucking nailed it so perfect
3: yeah it's interesting they brought them in for the MCU Peter Parker to learn something about himself that he needed to learn and was weirdly able to take that and have the other two characters go through a smaller arc Whereas obviously the Andrew Garfield one, they've built it in that he is still haunted by the fact that Gwen Stacy died in his last movie. And they figured out a way to build that into his character and into the story to help him kind of grow a little bit and feel a little resolution by the time the movie's over since we never got that in, in an official third movie. And that's
2: really hard to like figure out how they can like, move all those pieces feel, around and have it work. You feel like he's going back to his timeline having learned a, a lesson about not being excessively violent and stuff, which is mm-hmm. effectively in some ways the same lesson that Tom Holland was needing – to one of the lessons that Tom Holland was needing to learn. But at the same time, he's just kind of picking it up as he goes and he gets – he gets that redemption moment where he saves MJ and you're so happy for him and you feel like he's just a better person at the end of this. Right. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I mean, a lot of that is the performance because Garfield is just fascinatingly good. I mean, as somebody who absolutely hates the amazing Spider-Man movies, I've seen each one of them once. I will never watch them again. I really genuinely dislike them yet when he saves MJ, I'm like super happy for him. Because he's done such a good job of bringing this character to the screen that now I'm like invested in this guy who I, again, literally hated coming into the movie. (laughs) It's fascinating how well it was done. I was just mind blown that they pulled it off the way they did. I thought like you you had three characters that all had similar similarities, but were also their own unique versions of the character, if that made sense. Yeah, I've heard Marvel. Like,
3: Marvel has actually given them their own designations to separate them. So, okay. so Tobey Maguire's Spider Man is essentially friend, friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garfield is obviously the Amazing Spider Man, and then Tom Holland's is just Spider Man. So they've set it up just like like uh, comic book titles. Yeah, where they're each telling their own individual stories. <laughs> but they're all the same character and stuff. So I thought yeah. it was interesting that they found a way to like designate all of them as a separate thing, but they're all unified as the same thing.
4: I I like it more the way they did it in the movie. Cause that was a really good joke with Spider-Man one, two and three. Oh yeah. And they, and they like both point at Garfield and they're like Spider-Man three. And he's like, yeah, I get it. I'm Spider-Man three. <laughs>
2: What about like the the Betty humor, I think they nailed it just right and that moment where he's like, man, like you guys have done so much cooler stuff than me And they're like, no, you're amazing. I like I was <laughs> laughing. I'm like, oh my God, like it's first of all the fact that they get it. They get that clearly two of these guys have been in good movies and one of these guys hasn't been. I mean, that's funny in and of itself, the fact that he's going along with these jokes. But it's perfect about a Russian Man. guy in a rhino suit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the, there's the, that other moment, too, when uh, Toby's like grabbing his back. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. Yeah, I remember <laughs> how that was already being made fun of 20 years ago. And now we're still doing it. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, you want you want me to you want me to pop your back for you? Oh, that'd be great. God, that movie made me so happy. Uh, that, that whole – all the interactions between those three, when they all decided to, like when they were like, OK, we're going to cure the bad guys instead of kill them. Great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Let's all go into the lab together. <laughs> they all, <laughs> they're all working on their experiments together. And they're like, you know, like, oh, that's
3: great. Well, I that's just so love perfect. that – I mean that is an aspect that we – they do sort of forget a lot in the movies even though it shouldn't be is that Peter Parker right. is like genius level. So you get three of them from separate stages of his life in one room together. And, I mean, Toby Maguire's character is like, yeah, I've been thinking about how to cure uh, Green Goblin for, for a long time. I think I have it figured out. And I, he can just, like, do it and not, like, spend, yeah. you know, three hours trying to come up with uh, reasons why they should do it. Cool. And then, you know... Uh, Mag- or Garfield's is just like, oh yeah, I mean, I did it once. I can do it again. I just got to mix
2: all this shit together. Well, it's it's also helpful that they had the magic machine from the previous movie oh, yeah. in Happy Department like that. That's really convenient. But it's also some of the and this is again where some of the ways where I think Marvel is just really smart at using what they have. Where it's like we already we already gave you the magic machine last movie. And, you know, in the context of the last movie, nobody really questioned it. They're like, yeah, he can he's going to program it in to do what he needs it to do. And it's going to make the thing. You know, they have the technology yeah. exists. Sure. Why not? And then now it's like, well, now that we have that, now we can just apply it to these new problems that have mm-hmm. come up. And it's like, oh, that's perfect. Like, that makes total sense. So why not go with it? Total sense by comic book standards. Right. Yeah
3: um so how was everybody's theater was there lots of applauding and clapping and stuff
2: yeah yeah i I was there at like the 10 o'clock thursday night show so it was still like everybody was still new there was i think there was some people surprised to see the the other spider-man in there oh yeah
3: saturday saturday 7 p.m people were still excited about it which i was completely happy with
4: i do feel like a grumpy old man sometimes where they start hooting and hollering and I want to be like,
2: Hey, shut the fuck up. I want you to move oh, Good Lord. Noah, <laughs> as long as it's within, as long as it's at the right time and it's within reasonable confines where you don't start distracting me too much or pulling me out of it. I'm fine. With right. It. Yeah. Yeah. If it goes on too long. That, yeah. yeah.
3: We got, uh, yeah. you know, it's funny cause the two guys behind sitting behind us were younger than I were. And they seemed so excited by the fact that Andrew Garfield was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas like weirdly, people from like my age, it's like Toby is finally back. Like this is fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. But it
3: was interesting because they bring Garfield's Spider-Man in first. And so when they open that portal, which might be a minor quibble, I feel like there could have been a more dramatic way to bring them into the uh into the story. But if you are literally just like going to have, movie. if you're literally just going to have a character open a portal and they run through it, sure, fine, whatever. But they were so excited, like, oh, dude, that's not going to be Spider-Man though. That's going to be Garfield. It's going to be him. Look, look, and he pulls the mask off. It's like, oh, it's our boy. Like they were so excited, and I was just so happy for them that they actually got like a good performance out of Garfield in this movie.
2: Yeah, no, it's. I- I, lo- I like the way they did it, because I like that Garfield came in as Spider Man, and then like Tobey Maguire being the older version is just in his street clothes. And at one point, they're like, Do you even have your suit? And he's like, Yes, yeah, underneath my clothes. we where I keep it. I do, like,
4: do so believe casual. the exact words. Or are you just going to spend the rest of the time dressed like a youth pastor?
3: Uh, I believe it was called a cool youth pastor. Yeah, cool youth pastor. <laughs> Pulls down the t shirt. You see the top of the costume. It's like, Nice. What?
2: I thought I thought they nailed it to the costuming and the performance and everything of just like yeah, McGuire is just oh, he's so casual about it at this point. He's gotten mm-hmm. good, at it. and I love that. I love that idea. Like when he just casually he's like, yeah, it's complicated, but Jay and I have figured it out. We make it work, and it's like, oh, good, they're together. Still good. I wanted to know that. <laughs> That's like if my biggest complaint about this movie is I would have loved a post credit sequence where we see him coming home and there's like MJ and maybe like a baby and he, she's like rough day. And he's like, oh, yeah, like just, <laughs> that's what I would have loved. Yeah, apparently
3: somebody asked her if she was going to be in the movie like a couple weeks ago during an interview. And she said no, that she's too that the studio has deemed her too old to play Mary Jane anymore. Well,
2: that sounds like maybe I don't know. I don't think she's too old to play the Barry Jane that's with that Peter Parker. No. Um, oh, another, another scene that had people
3: applauding. Probably the first scene that people started applauding is uh, the other horribly kept secret that Charlie Cox shows up as Matt Murdock. Yeah. Slams the cane down and he walks into frame.
2: Everybody's just like, yes. Start clapping. And people were so excited when he caught that brick. Uh-huh. he's like yeah I'm a, I'm a really good lawyer
1: <laughs> uh, I
2: loved it I, I think they, they nailed that one right because that's the one where you're like okay we're going to introduce this character he's here he's back everybody happy yep we don't have time for Daredevil in this yeah. movie quite frankly watch uh, She-Hulk and I had, <laughs> you can deal with that later there, there was a moment in Hawkeye where they shot one of the arrows and everything went all foggy and smoky and mm-hmm. I kind of half expected Daredevil to come in in the background and take out some of the tracksuit guys, <laughs>
3: like just as a. I think
2: it would have been perfect, but
3: he has worn the uh, Ronin suit before in the comics, so would not make sense. Okay.
2: Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, that was a fun moment. I I thought okay. So putting aside that fun moment of like introducing Charlie Cox's mm-hmm. Matt Murdock, um. The whole way they kind of like they wrapped up the the previous movie and moved forward. I thought they did it really well. Like yeah. they're like, yeah, we hired a lawyer who proved that it wasn't Peter that did all these terrible fucking things, <laughs> and we moved forward in it. So we've still got. I mean, because because the movie's set like supposed to be like twenty twenty three, I think. So it's like, yeah, well, there's still this like some of the media who's blaming spider-man for these problems there's still people protesting him and things like that but from a legal Mm -hmm. perspective he's not actually going to be in any trouble he was the one saving everybody right Mm -hmm. so i thought they did a good job of wrapping that up and then moving us straight into the now how does that how does that work if you're (laughs) if you're still trying to go to high school like oh right that's a problem isn't it um (laughs) So, and like the the ones were like the the two teachers were like setting up a shrine to him, and the third teacher thinks still thinks he's a killer. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, I did like
3: but that. I thought uh, they
2: did it pretty good. And, but like, go ahead, sir.
3: I did like that. J. Jonah Jameson went full out uh, Infowars Alex Jones in this movie, where yeah. he's fucking selling uh, <laughs> Daily Bugle uh, supplements or whatever.
1: Yeah,
4: it's
3: like Jesus Christ. <laughs>
4: I just wish it had been colloidal silver. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: so good. Yeah. But I think they moved through all that stuff quickly because we didn't have time for it, right? Yeah. We didn't have time for a whole movie about him recovering from the last movie. I think they did a great job of like that first 40 minutes or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We get We get through all of that stuff and we introduce the new problems. <coughs> we get... It, the scope narrows down to our three characters that we actually care about. It's Peter, Ned, and MJ, right? Because mm-hmm. my criticism of the previous Spider-Man movie was that there's way too much time spent with teachers and shit. And Flash and all these other people, right? And we don't need that. We want to get to these yeah. main characters. And so we, we, they did a good job of moving us through that, getting us there. It almost feels like a comic book where you're just flipping through the pages and just, like, fast, 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 get to the fight parts. But they get us to where we need to be, which is the problems arising as a result of all this. Yeah, like, his past problems are still a problem. Like, everybody still knows he's Spider-Man, and that's a horrible problem. It it sounds weird, but I thought it was a really realistic plot point, too, that they couldn't get into college Mm -hmm. just because, like, if you... Like these, like even though they've been proven that they didn't do anything illegal and they're not getting charged with a crime, there's still all these radio hosts talking about them and shit, and people are just we don't want to be part of that controversy, and I get that. Like I, I underst- I think that's relatively real to the real world. And I'm, <laughs> I mean, you called them and tried
4: to convince them, and that didn't work, so you came to me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh right,
2: uh, I could have done that. <laughs> that also felt like as a teenager if somebody in a position of authority tells you no you think you're screwed you think you have no other options (laughs) and Mm -hmm. if you had access to magic you would go straight to magic and why not right Uh, uh i
4: do i do like the fact that they kind of in a way set up one of the things they're gonna have to address going forward in the movies with Doctor Strange. And that's Doctor Strange tends to be the uh ends justify the means mm-hmm. type guy, you know, because he's dealing with these interdimensional problems and stuff. And if somebody's like, Yeah, the ten million people are gonna die, he's gonna be like, Yeah. <laughs> and do you know how many people live in all the dimensions? It's a lot more than
3: that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think they they did a good job of setting up that and also setting up the whole he's so arrogant that he thinks he can do these giant spells that alter reality and there will be no negative impact of them. (laughs) I think those are the two characteristics that I kind of associate with Doctor Strange, and I think they did a good job of setting that up. Well, I also like the fact that they address that he's not the Sorcerer
3: Supreme anymore. (laughs) That that Wong got it on technicality. And I feel like that part of that plays into like, well, I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want. It's not like I'm the Sorcerer Supreme and have to like worry about shit like that. I'm just gonna do it.
4: Well, and, well, yeah. And, it, and it's one of the funny things is that that totally explains the Shang Chi after credit scene too, of why Wong was the one who brought Shang Chi in to check out the rings and stuff yeah. instead of Strange.
3: Oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But uh we should probably talk about the villains yeah yeah uh so of course we get doc ock first alfred molina Mm -hmm. uh so i read afterwards they used some like some of that de-aging technology yeah honestly they did an amazing job because i didn't even (laughs) notice it when i was watching the movie
1: which usually... uh,
2: I don't think it's noticeable if you watch Spider-Man 2 and then watch this, but it's noticeable if you see him in real life and then watch this. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see him it... in interviews and stuff, and then compared to this, it's pretty noticeable. Yeah. And uh, he was great, of course. To
3: me, the standout, of course, is Willem Dafoe, which I, I don't think a lot of people would argue with, but I don't know, maybe you two will. No, I mean, he was...
4: No, and they made the no. Green Goblin closer to the actual Green Goblin, if that makes oh, yeah. sense. Totally. Yeah. Not not Power Ranger uh, suit bullshit, but not weird mutant <laughs> asshole thing that they did in Amazing Spider-Man.
3: Well, it's the glorious thing is they uh <laughs> they were able to see like what worked and what didn't from Raimi's version. And so they're like, Well, we can still keep all this, but all of this shit's gotta go. And we gotta figure out how to fix that. And so they were able to fix all the problems and have it work a million times better. Like, I don't know who hires Willem Dafoe to play the Green Goblin and then puts a helmet on him.
2: So you can't no, see his but it, face. Was also, it was also 20 years ago, and it was a different era of filmmaking, right? Sure. Well, and and but. I'm
4: sure you've seen it. You know, originally there was a totally different face. Like, it, it wasn't supposed to be that Power Rangers helmet. That was kind of one of those they failed they failed in their experiment it went to a different thing to save money
2: mm. now the other thing that's really neat about it though is when they wanted to change up his look they found a way to do it in a very cool like plot relevant way like they had him smash up the mask which was the way to mislead the audience into thinking that he'd snapped out of the persona so yeah. that he could go find right which was really clever way to mislead the audience like it i fully believed he was norman osborne and i was expecting him to do more of what doc ock ends up doing where he kind of sides with spider-man and helps cure everybody else mm-hmm. that's what i was expecting him to do at that point and then i, I thought like i kind of chuckled when they put him in the purple hoodie i'm like oh that's kind of funny but then as they watched his like clothes get deteriorated throughout the movie and all of a sudden he's just wearing that purple hoodie over that green flight suit from the the Raimi film. I'm like, it's perfect. It looks just like fucking Green Goblin to me. It's weird how like that one small detail completely
3: changed the look of that uh, that whole get up.
4: Yeah. The yellow flight goggles to give him the eyes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like it, it worked great and I was just like, and again, though, but they managed to do it in a way where it all made sense in the confines of the movie. They didn't have to, like, write in a scene where he just finds a more yeah. comic-accurate costume behind a door no. somewhere. Yeah. No, it was genius.
3: I love the way that, that they played that and the way it, by the end of the movie, that it, you look at him and you're like, holy fuck. Like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And, yeah, like I, like I mentioned, somebody was like, well, we got Willem Dafoe to play the Green Goblin. Maybe we should just let him, you know use his face to to look fucking insane. And uh, they did. And from what I've heard from interviews, he only agreed to come back if they let him do a lot of the action scenes because he was annoyed that the first one that he didn't get to, that they had the stuntman or choreographer or whatever, (laughs) do pretty much everything that you didn't see his face with. So Mm -hmm. apparently they were like, all right, let the old man up on the glider, I guess.
4: Well, and they just getting to see him just beat the holy
2: fuck out of yeah, Peter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that, all, that fight scene in that apartment complex is just brutal. Like I was just I was rewatching clips of it again because somebody stole them and put them online, and it's just like oh my god! Like it's a it's a hard fight to watch. He's like getting thrown through walls and shit, and you're like ow, <laughs> stop! You're hurting him. Yeah, I feel like they did a really good job with the action in this movie too, where it started out fun. And it just got more and more brutal throughout the movie. And so that at the end, it really felt like it had stakes. Yeah. That makes sense. Which by the time they're like... Go ahead. Well, which I was going to say, which is like
3: exclamation point with the fact that MMA ends up dying. And mm-hmm. so like you said, it starts off kind of fun. And then we're just talking like, oh, those fights in the apartment are amazing. But then by the time it's over, like you have one of one of the main characters dying and at least like finally gives off the line that everybody's been waiting to hear in this Mm -hmm. series that hasn't been uttered yet which is both good and you know kind of i don't want to say bad i liked it
2: you know whatever i feel like
3: i I feel like it was earned
2: yeah it, it was earned and that's the key thing if it had been done poorly i'd be annoyed by it but because it was earned i feel like it was fine and I, and it gave us that moment where he says, "With great power," and the other two Spider Men go, "With comes great responsibility." And that made me so happy. Um, but yeah, I, I felt her death was earned. I thought it was well done. Um, my favorite part of this whole movie is just the whole "fuck you" to the audience because at the beginning, when they're like, "We're bringing in Spider Man," and they're like, "Don't worry." We're not going to waste your bullshit time on doing the origin story again. We get that you've seen that and that you don't need to watch it again. Don't worry. And then like six movies in or whatever we are, they're like, fuck you. This whole thing was one big origin story. We were messing with you. It was all an origin story. It just It just took them a lot longer to learn the lesson than it did some of the other Spider-Men you've seen in the past. <laughs> when they finally wrap this movie up and I'm like, oh, they've this whole lead up to all of this has been to create a street level Spider-Man who's on his own and tr- trying to protect his identity. And I'm like, that's normally the first 15 minutes of a Spider-Man movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> took six movies to get here. Awesome. Yeah. Good for them. And it's funny because they, they did it's sort of the same thing with Scarlet Witch where the whole fucking WandaVision series turns out to be an origin story for a character that, already existed <laughs> uh, and we're like okay I, sure I guess Marvel knows how to do that now because I can't <laughs> complain about it even though it seems weird to say it's like you're getting an origin story you just don't realize you're getting an origin story yeah. we're just not going to do it at the beginning because that's silly that's a bad time to do an origin mm-hmm. story we like to do it in the middle.
3: Uh, I'm also currently looking at a meme right now that's doing that whole Captain Phillips thing, you know, where the guy's taking over the boat and he's like, no, I'm the captain now or whatever. Yeah. It's got Toby McGuire and, uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's Tony Stark. And Toby's doing the look at me thing. And they have the poster of the Iron Man movie. And he says, I'm the first MCU film now. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny.
4: I was going to say, of all the villains, the one that I thought that they didn't do enough for was Sandman. Yeah. Because he got fucked in his movie, and he really, really deserved his chance to, like, stand out and shine. And instead, they spent most of it with Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe, who were kind of great originally. (laughs) You know what I mean?
3: But I feel like since he didn't have a good one, they didn't have a lot to build off of. And this movie was already, like, jam-packed. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been nice.
2: I'm just saying they had so much shit. And why shit. you want more know. Sandman? But I, I don't know what you take out to give us more of him. So,
4: yeah, I, My argument would be you could cut out some Alfred Molina.
2: No, I don't think so.
4: His character already had a redemption arc in his movie. He didn't need another redemption yeah. arc in this movie. Just retreading nice. yeah, the same was, thing.
2: But it was so good, though. That's the thing.
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah. of course, of course, it was good because we know it was good because they've already done it before.
2: Yeah, the, remember when they did it again and it was still awesome.
4: <laughs> yeah, I suppose.
2: I don't, I don't know.
4: See, my my opinion like would I, be. Uh, throw throw Lizard out of the equation completely because he he served no purpose whatsoever. I agree with that. In this film. Yeah, he, was but, just, he was just there to be there.
2: But he was there to even out the number of villains a bit so that Andrew Garfield wasn't even more <laughs> shunned. Yeah,
3: they didn't take the... They didn't take the uh, villain from the even shittier Amazing Spider-Man movie? I mean, no. shit, or
4: they could have brought Rhino in and actually had Rhino do something instead of just being a one-note thing at the
2: end of a movie. Yeah, I mean, that. I guess you could have, but he would have been running around this movie in that giant Rhino suit. I don't know <laughs> if he would have fit in exactly. I didn't
4: like the Rhino suit either. We do get a glimpse uh, of Rhino, though. Oh, my yeah. God. In the real Rhino. Did you notice that? That it's yeah. actually the dude in the the bulky... Suit, yeah, suit. I
3: was excited. And then we didn't actually get to see him. So disappointed.
4: Yeah. I I almost had a freak out moment whenever they were kind of sca- spanning across that because I started like seeing characters. I was like, oh, oh there's one. There's, one. there's one. Ah, 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 Scorpion. Scorpion's right there. Just... <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So that's I mean, like I said, really. My my big complaint of the movie is, that, man, Sandman could
2: really use some more
4: oomph. I don't
2: know. Yeah, I well, mean, whoever your he, favorite character is, you're going to feel like they could have had more time. Well, but I don't so think so that's, that's
4: my characters. favorite character.
2: I just think that's a character who deserved. He's a
4: good actor playing a good role that didn't get it's it's just desserts because of studio interference and now they had a second chance and they were like hey what if we put him in a backseat role and and don't expand on him at all and it's like isn't that what you guys did the first time and they're like
3: shut up willem (laughs) defoe yeah Uh, i mean look can we all just admit we're disappointed that bruce campbell's mysterio didn't make an appearance like it should have
4: I kind of, it hey man, really fucking surprised the door me now.
3: that Bruce <laughs> Campbell didn't show up.
2: They've opened up the door now, though. We could just get Spider-Man 4 with Bruce Campbell as Mysterio. There's no reason why we can't. <laughs> That's true. There are, there's already talk of maybe doing an
3: amazing Spider-Man 3, and if they can talk Tobey Maguire into coming back, maybe doing another oh, Spider-Man 4.
4: I was, I was I kind of hoping... Hat. He would be the mid-credit scene, and it would just be like the middle of a street in New York, and just like Bruce Campbell in one of one of the random costumes from the Tobey Maguire
3: movies, going,
4: "Where the hell am I?" And then he <laughs> just gets popped
3: back out. <laughs> well, you know, Rami's doing uh, Doctor Strange 2. There's still a chance,
4: I suppose. Those are the things we should talk about: the post-credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Post-credit scene one. They they just instantly pop fucking Venom back out, which is fucked
3: up. <laughs> but leave love... a love leave a little something behind so they can have their own version of Venom in this universe.
2: Right. Do you guys feel like like they're kind of telling Sony to go fuck themselves though? Where they're like, yeah, we'll bring your we'll bring your guy into the MCU. We'll even do you a post credit sequence on your movie that's not even in our universe. And then we'll what? just send him back after he does nothing for the whole movie. <laughs> There's a, there's a few
4: things. Do you guys remember right around the time that the the drive for this movie was cranking up where Kevin Feige and all the sunny reps and stuff were like, "No, we're on great terms now." You know, the he's in the MCU to stay and that there's no longer any issues and all this kind of stuff. And it sure as fuck feels like the ending of this movie was Disney going, "Okay, and now we could drop you if we fucking feel like it."
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way they set peter up at the end of this movie to be on his own if they decide to walk away they can he's been pulled away from every (laughs) nobody in the mcu knows who peter parker is and he has no connections to any of them anymore Mm -hmm. so he that's it if he if they if sony doesn't play nice marvel just says well then we're just not going to address him ever again in our movies and you guys can keep making your own solo movies and how did that work out for you last time
3: yeah, but I feel like Sony has some say in that, too. So maybe they felt like, well, this is a way for the, us to detach from Marvel. So if we decide we just want to do our own solo movies with uh, Tom Holland, that we can just, I just do that and not have to worry. Once again, aren't we, are we at the point? How can Sony be
4: that stupid? Right. Aren't are we at the point where Sony has a literal billion reasons not to fuck with disney yeah like, like
2: figure out your deal and put your ego away and just live with the fact that your your best bet to make money going forward for all time is to let disney make these movies just do it i, I don't get it
4: the, so what you're saying is you guys get to make the movie and all we get is a partial cut of the thing that we didn't have to do anything <laughs>
3: Well, I it. think their deal changed when they were renegotiated last time. And I think both studios put up half the money for it. And then I think they split the take on it.
4: Well, I know part of it was whenever they came up for renegotiation, Disney was like, we increased your profit X amount. And therefore we deserve X amount cut in mm-hmm. addition to what we were talking about before. Yeah. And, and the truth is, That's not entirely incorrect. I mean, if they're the ones making it so you're making a billion dollars, 60-40
2: cut ain't ain't bad. (laughs) I'll take 40% of of a billion. At the end of the day, (laughs) when Sony had control of Spider-Man, they fucked up the Raimi thing because they, you know, started messing with him instead of letting him make his movies and then they obviously made The Amazing Spider-Man 2 thinking they were going to kick off a bunch more movies. And they had to stop because their movie was so bad that people didn't want to see any more of that universe. Mm. And now they've got this huge success and they still act like they're fucking with it. It's like Why fuck with it? Like, this is what's working. I don't get it. I would understand it if this movie came out and only made... Five hundred million dollars. You know, if we put all of this into it to just make that. I can understand how there'd be some frustration there, but when you put all of this into it and you get your billion dollars in the first week and a half, and they haven't even sold a digital copy or a Blu-ray, and you know, let alone the possibilities that have, have been opened up about bringing back Garfield and different things that they've been talking about, it's like you. This is a miracle for them, and the idea that they would fuck with it is just—it's insanity.
3: Yeah. Because weirdly they could go off and make Amazing Spider Man three and Spider Man four. And not have to deal with Marvel whatsoever. Since those movies are so disconnected from the Marvel universe, except for this one movie.
2: Yeah. And you maybe you have
3: although I feel like if they tried to do that,
4: Kevin Feige would pop up from behind a chair and be like,
1: hmm.
0: Because no, I would, my why finger would, you in You would, would want titan. him involved,
2: right? Oh, totally. I why would. Like, like you'd want him involved and you'd want to have some explanation written in to help explain that this is a different universe timeline, whatever. And Marvel people would be able to help you do that for a much smaller percentage of the cut than they're getting on the movies they actually make.
4: I feel like uh, a lot of Sony's shit right now is writing on whether or not Morbius sucks.
2: Which I think it's probably too. I'm less and less faith in it. I keep watching the same trailers over and over again and wanting to see the movie less.
4: I don't know. See, I don't hate the new trailers. I'm like, okay, I see what they're going for. Part of my my problem is Jared Leto, I've just completely, I just could not give a fuck less about Jared Leto.
3: I definitely don't care about him in a leading role. When he's like a a supporting character, he usually comes up with some interesting stuff,
2: but the entire thing doesn't have to be focused on him, which I think is good. Well, I'll tell you, for me too, is watching the post-credits scene with Venom, Mm -hmm. realizing, see, having not seen any part of the Carnage movie and having seen only part of the first Venom movie and turning it off before I actually saw Venom, And then I see that post credit sequence and go, ooh, I made the right decision with those movies. I am not eager to see anything else set in that universe or anything else made by that studio because I just don't have an interest in that style of a movie. And that's where I get, like, maybe I don't want to see Morbius at all. Why would I just want to go see a movie and be disappointed when I can just wait for the next MCU project? But Morbius is supposed to be set in this universe, if I remember. I don't think it can be i don't know
3: well We'll there's there's a shot in the background of it that has a spider-man poster with the word murderer spray painted on it and then he talks to uh michael keaton so yeah but
2: yeah vultures in it there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be a whole different that could be a whole different universe though
3: yeah I know this is what's going to start making it annoying is for them to be like well we have vulture and he's in jail just like at the end of Last time you saw him in MCU, but, (laughs) but it's a, it's a, it's a different one. So, you know, whatever.
2: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'm getting nervous with this and I, I, I'm worried that Sony's involvement is going to screw things up. I'm not worried about the MCU screwing things up right now. I've been really like, I think we already mentioned before, like I'm really happy with the way all of their movies are starting to feel different again. I love the way this one brought in all these different characters and shit. But I'm getting real nervous about Sony fucking with it and just like offering somebody a bunch of money to be in it and play the character without Marvel's involvement and messing things up. Yeah, it sounded like Tom Holland
3: thinks he might be on his way out. Apparently he does have one more appearance left on his contract, but I don't think that's for a full Spider-Man movie. I think that's for showing up in another movie.
2: I want, I desperately want, now, because the way this movie ended with the symbiote coming into the MCU, but granted it's coming in in a different way than it did in the comics, but that's fine. It's now there. It's interested in finding Spider Man. And we've got this ground level by himself Spider Man without the Stark tech and without yeah. everything else to have, you could do a, an amazing Venom movie now with that right you could have the symbiote find him merge him of course he's going to be excited to have an opportunity to get that power back since he's using his own like his own homemade suit again after having used all those stark suits and stuff so he's going to be so much more excited to use it that you could easily do a really good venom movie with tom holland spider-man and the potential is there and you could set that up to be a sequel whatever else you want to do right you expand it from there mm. so it makes total sense well, you've also f- got like some interesting things you could play with now with if nobody in the mcu knows who he is great so what happens when he gets into a bigger situation and ends up some other avenger shows up and is like who the fuck are you and why are you fucking with thing? and he's like no no we saved the world together once and they're like no we didn't i don't know who you are but stop <laughs> So you have a lot of potential interesting things you could do. And I just, I don't know.
3: Well, to be fair, everybody still knows there's a Spider-Man. They just don't yeah. know who Peter Parker yeah. is.
4: Well, and Feige, Feige and them have said that, so they they kind of see them as trilogies. So this was a trilogy of Spider-Man movies, and now that's done. And now there will be another trilogy of Spider-Man movies.
1: Yeah. <clears> hmm <throat>
4: Which I don't know. Holland's comments are interesting in the fact that he, it it sure sounds like his interest in stopping playing Spider-Man isn't that he doesn't want to play Spider-Man anymore. It's that he thinks that they should bring in one of the other Spider-Men. A Miles Morales or a Spider-Gwen or Silk or one of the other 5 million
2: Spider-Characters. Yeah. Mm. But not all of those necessarily require him leaving, right? Right. And I, look, I don't have an objection to them bringing a Miles Morales character into it. We know he exists in the universe. We could have Tom Holland do one or two movies, grow as a character, and become the guy that could be the mentor, right? Now that he's had been mentored, now he could do the mentoring in the next round of films. Mm-hmm. Well, should we talk about the, uh,
3: the big switcheroo? At the end, where uh, Dr. Strange has to cast another spell to make everybody forget who Peter Parker is completely to keep people from invading this universe to try to come
2: <laughs> kill him. I mean, it kind it of was already a, benched it.
4: It was an interesting ending Did, Were you guys. I, so I don't like the whole uh, erasure of relationships thing in movies in general it's happened like before in movies and comic books and stuff. But the fact that, you know, he promises Ned and he promises MJ that he's going to come and he's going to tell them. And then he goes and he's like, no, if they look happy, I'm just not going to do it.
2: Well, It worked no, I, in the context of the film. I thought <coughs> it was, it was clear that his motivations were to protect them. And I, I liked that. Um, I thought it was, again, it was earned. It was well done. So, mm. I don't really question it.
4: I don't. I don't hate it. I just thought. I don't. It feels lazy and cliche in a weird way.
2: Again, so I think things feel cliche if they're not well done. But this was well done. So somebody brought up a theory that if uh, if the
3: way to keep other villains from other universes to come in is to make them forget that Peter Parker is Spider Man. If that would affect other universes the same way
4: well it had to
3: so then like if we do get another amazing spider-man or spider-man 4 like if that would have to be like a plot point that like Mary Jane doesn't remember that Toby McGuire's Peter Parker's spider-man and that
2: sort of stuff that's an interesting question I don't know how that works exactly
3: yeah
4: there's been a whole bunch of people online clamoring for the fact that they want they now want uh Garfield to be Spider-Man again, but him to be the Spider-Man in the Venomverse.
3: Yeah, I saw something about that too. Yeah. They may slam those two universes together somehow. Does the first Venom movie take place in New York? I know the second one's in San Francisco. San Francisco. But... Oh, okay. So, I guess it's plausible they'd
2: never met before. <laughs> or you just ride in another universe, jump right? Yeah. I mean, it's fucking multiverse all over the place to now.
3: So, just you need to do whatever you want. Still waiting for the Punisher No Way Home so that we can have John Berenthal and Thomas Jane and Dolph Lundgren all running around <laughs> together.
4: All
2: right. <laughs> I'm not sure if that would work as well. That's you know, it's funny.
4: All all I can imagine is the Bernathal Punisher, like, beating someone to death with a sledgehammer and, like, the Dolph Punisher just kind of nodding. And the other Punisher being like, oh, Jesus, what the fuck?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, we never mentioned the last uh, post credit scene, which is just a trailer for Doctor Strange Two. Yeah, yeah. a full long ass trailer. So, are we excited for Doctor right. Strange Two? Of course, Doctor Strange is my jam. I
4: don't, I don't know how happy I am with that trailer. I feel like that trailer was spoilery, but
3: yeah, <clears throat> the fact that we're gonna sort of see the uh, what if Doctor Strange show up. Yeah, I like that. They're just bringing everything together now. Well, and I've heard that they just did some reshoots for it because it comes out in May, and that they're reshooting a bunch of stuff to actually add in more cameos after Spider-Man did so well.
4: Well, they've been saying for a while there's a good chance they'll, like, uh, Professor X is showing up and Black Bolt might show up. and
3: Yeah. But ever since uh, fucking Wandavision, we've been getting like, well, this might be uh, what leads to the X Men to come in. Yeah, so we'll have to see.
4: Well, this one specifically, rather than it tying directly to the X Men, I think the idea is for it to all tie into Illuminati, which would then set up World War World War Hulk, which is another movie that's supposed to be coming down the pipe. So, so they sort of already did. No, they did Planet Hulk.
3: Oh okay, yeah.
4: World those World are, War Hulk is those are when two separate things. Hulk finds out that the Illuminati fucked him, and he goes after all of them. They fucked him, really? Oh, they fucked him good. Marvel, Marvel's getting right. crazy. They fucked him. They fucked him right into space.
2: All right, we're hitting that point in the podcast, are we? <laughs> 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 Might be uh, time to call it a night, boys.
1: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.